the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Friday, December 1st, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 296. Make sure you subscribe to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree. We'll take the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. What's up, everybody, and happy December. Welcome to our big Friday edition of the show today. I'm Ro. Noah's here. Yo. As usual, an absolute great slate of guests coming in here. We'll have Virginia Congressman Bob Good joining us. Florida Representative Corey Mills will be here as well. Investigative journalist Matt Couch will be making his Steak for Breakfast debut. Constitutional attorney John Pierce will be here. And we'll be sitting down with our great friend, supply chain expert, Jim Nels. Lots of breaking news. It was a wild week up on Capitol Hill, especially for George Santos. We'll take you there and give you a little insight. American Meatball met American Psycho on Boomer Sweat Sean Hannity last night. That's good. Tucky and Roseanne and Elon Musk. We'll be checking in on all of them today and the latest from the campaign trail. But before we get to any of the headlines or the news, let's take it up to Capitol Hill and change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not NOM, this is bowling, there are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by. All right, everybody, welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Ron Noah's here as well. Big Friday edition of the show today. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back to America's fastest-growing political podcast. And getting things started with us on the show today, he's the congressman representing Virginia 6 member of the Freedom Caucus, quickly becoming one of our great friends. Representative Bob Good, welcome back to the show. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me again. Well, we're getting started a little bit earlier today here on the West Coast, but you guys have already put in a full day of work and and still have a bunch of stuff going on up on Capitol Hill. I mean, I know we're going to talk about all the great things that you've been working on, not just with and through the Freedom Caucus, but in committee, a bill that you recently co-sponsored with Texas Congressman Chip Roy. We definitely want to hear about that, but I think our listenership to get the show started today Definitely wants to hear some commentary on the recent expulsion of George Santos from Congress. You know, in a time where Joe Biden continues to essentially be the head of a crime family, and we don't take away from any of the great work that's going on in the oversight and the weaponization and the impeachment inquiry, you have Alejandro Mayorkas, who's been proposed to be impeached several times, but it seems to just keep going back to committee as well. We look at the important things like expelling a congressman who lied on his resume when he ran for office and, you know, went through an ethics investigation, but hasn't been ruled on in court yet. Congressman, we know you're one of the no-nonsense congressmen up there. We know you're working hard every day for the American people, trying to get legislation passed, get the border secured, the appropriations done, anything to get wins for the House Republicans this session. We've got a really great group of you outlining the non-wins you guys have to start our news portion of the show today. But I just want to be able to get your take on, on just how this went down and how you feel about it. I'm very disappointed. Frankly, uh, it's, it's just honestly disgusting to me that this took place. Uh, while I'm not going to defend the merits of the accusations or allegations against George Santos or the circumstances under which he was elected, but I will say, you know, he went through a primary process. You have to assume he was vetted or the thought to be vetted during that process. He went through a general election. I didn't hear about any of these 
accusations or concerns or allegations until after he was in Congress. And, and I don't frankly know the merits of those. And it's not for me to look into those and investigate those. Uh, I didn't have any interest in doing that. But to the point that you made uh, leading into the question, uh, we have members on the Republican side who don't want to hold accountable or remove Joe Biden, don't want to hold accountable or remove Alejandro Mayorkas, the two individuals uh, facilitating willfully, purposely the invasion of the country that's doing irreparable harm to our national security, our economic security, our health security, our education security, you name it. They don't want to you know, take hold accountable FBI Director Ray or Attorney General uh, uh, Garland. You know, we, 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 I was in a meeting this morning, a conference meeting where we were hearing from those committee chairmen that you were referencing, uh, Jamie Comer with Oversight, Jim Jordan with Judiciary, and uh, Jason Smith uh, with Ways and Means, and presenting the case against the Biden crime family, the mounting evidence. And we're trying to make sure that we have enough Republicans to vote uh, to formally open the impeachment inquiry as a house to sort of add another layer of, I'll say, uh, support for that, legitimacy for that, if you will. And we're not sure we have 217 votes to do that, 218 votes to do that, the Republican majority, which stuns me that we don't have that. He ought to be impeached because of the border. He ought to be impeached because of the Biden crime family, or at least have an inquiry to that effect. And yet we're quick to jump on removing and holding accountable a member of Congress who's already announced that he wouldn't run again. There was another member of Congress from New York, Tom Reed, in my first term, who had some ethical accusations, concerns, what have you. And he announced he wasn't going to run again. And he faded into the background and served out the remainder of his term and everybody left him alone. This is historic. He's not been convicted of anything. Uh, He's accused. He's accused and he may well be convicted from what I have seen and heard. It doesn't sound good. And he may well be convicted, but let the legal process play out. Uh, I'm just the precedent this sets. You know, uh, there are members of the Republican conference that Democrats, if they get the majority, would like to remove for all kinds of reasons. You know, this is not the party of law, the Democrat Party. It's the party of lawlessness. And can you just imagine the political retaliation against, and I don't even want to start naming members, but members who are being accused by Democrats of all kinds of things, like they're accusing President Trump and they're persecuting him. So, and this is not the reason uh, to do it or not to do it, but I will also point out George Santos has a conservative voting record. Yes. I would submit he's probably a top 50 or top 75 anyway, Republican voting member as it comes to conservative. Perhaps that embarrasses some of the people who voted to remove him, quite frankly. Uh, Perhaps there are some members in purple districts who want to impress Democrats who are not going to vote for him, by the way. They want to impress Democrats with their willingness to remove a Republican. Perhaps that's some of it. I'm I'm just disappointed. Uh, I certainly stood up against the process, advocated for not removing one of our members, uh, and I'm very disappointed that it took place. Yeah, so are we. You know, Congressman Santos is a frequent guest on this show as well, as you've become over the course of the last year, uh, Representative Good. And, you know, We've kind of tracked the whole thing. We've joked with some of the stuff. And, you know, he, he's just a, a certain kind of personality. I wish we would have let the legal process play out. And then, you know, if there were some consequences that warranted what happened today, then let that be up to the Speaker of the House and, and however he wanted to whip it. But, you know, it, obviously it went in a different direction. And, and moving forward, we're going to see how this goes. I, I definitely think to, you know, piggyback off of your track record, you're right. Some of these congressmen who are in purple districts or ones that lean left a little bit and won close elections and the last cycle are going to just 
find out that they've fallen prey to the the usual tricks of the Democrat. They got them to do exactly what they want, and they're not going to get anything out of it, maybe even lose their seat in the House next year. Well, and to the point you made about the legal process, if George Santos were to be convicted as some are certainly suggesting, and, and there's some indications that he may well be, then there would have been an automatic uh, removal. That's that rules of the House. So why wouldn't we allow that to play out? And if that takes place, then these folks who want to remove him, they would get their wish if that were to take place. But sadly and unfortunately, we preempted that with the move today. Yeah, but I do want to get into some of these issues because, you know, moving forward, you guys got a lot of work to do. And, and on the newest continuing resolution going through the holidays and then the second step of that ladder afterwards uh, a finite amount of time right now before you know things really start to get serious you gave a pretty scathing report on house republicans the other day i it might have been yesterday the day before but but i mean just kind of like a, a personal report card reflection of, of what you guys have done to take the slim majority that you have and run with it now, I'd still see an opportunity under the new leadership of Mike Johnson and how some of these other congressmen and women, especially, you know, the freshman class, you did the Freshman Freedom podcast the other day, and you had some of the people who frequent this show all the time, Rep. Burkeen, Eli Crane, um, yourself. And, uh, you know, do you feel, getting into this holiday season, that you guys are going to be able to take that kind of warning that you're telling them heading into an election year and get the things done? Because... You know, I listen to about maybe 40, 50 podcasts a week. I watch the news 24 hours a day to kind of see what the actual narrative is, the heartbeat of the American people, try to get an honest commentary to provide on our show. And I see a lot of these people in the mainstream now, both in the podcast and, and, and in the actual TV media, who are starting to, like, take pot shots at you guys, thinking that you're going to be able to get appropriations done and that, you know, this budget thing is kind of a fantasy. And I, I'm still in the demographic of feeling that the group of freshmen – in addition to the ones that have been in Congress for a couple of cycles that are leading the way in the House right now, are, are going to be able to finish out this process. It's going to be hard. It, the days are going to be long. There's probably going to be more fights, uh, both behind closed doors yelling and screaming and maybe a little, you know, Kevin McCarthy flying elbow here and there. But the fact of the matter is I think you guys can get this job done. Do you feel that way? I'm confident we can. I'm hopeful that we will. Uh, and one of the problems, as you guys um, I'm sure would agree, is – there's a large part of our conference that believes the path to growing the majority, keeping the majority, winning the Senate, winning the White House, those kind of things, is to be careful and tepid and benign and vanilla and not to go too far, not to be too bold. You know, just keep the government open and operating. You know, try to do good things. Say you want to do good things, but but you know what? You just can't. You can't have shutdowns. You can't have you can't have disruptions. You know, we, we, we just we just have to, you know, keep the trains running on time and then the American people will be inspired to give us to reward us, you know, with retaining the majority, growing the majority. You know, what's the point in having the majority if we're not going to do the right things with the majority, number one? But number two, I would just submit that when the American people who put their hope and trust in the Republicans with the majority they gave us a year ago, we're the only thing between them and the harmful, radical, dangerous uh, Biden, Schumer, Pelosi agenda that's still in place under which the American people are suffering. And it's time for bold, courageous action. And I would just point to two key issues as the examples. There's many existential threats to the country, but just the spending and just the border alone. What I say to my Republican colleagues is, in the words of one of my uh, favorite, an actor in one of my favorite movies, and Sean Connery in The Untouchables, what are you prepared to do? And then after that, what are you prepared to do? What are we prepared to do to secure this border? 
what are we prepared to do to force this administration to stop the border invasion? It's not just policy, it's it's measurables, it's metrics, it's demonstration. And you could argue that we should not fund anything else in this government until this lawless administration secures the border. Secondly, just on the spending issue, we're facing the greatest fiscal crisis the country has ever faced. We've never had uh, anything approaching $34 trillion in debt. It took about 200 years to get to a trillion. And then in the last 40 years or so, we've accumulated another $33 trillion in national debt. And it's going up $200 billion a month. So just do the math there. About every five months, we're going to accumulate another trillion at this pace. Then the interest on the debt is approaching uh, a trillion on an annual basis. The interest rates are higher because our credit has been downgraded. The days of uncon- the days the days of no consequence, reckless spending are over. The inflation that's crushing the American people. They say the average uh, Thanksgiving dinner is forty percent higher than it was when Biden was elected. Yeah, uh, that's killing regular income Americans, fixed income folks, seniors, young people trying to start out, uh, lower income folks. But what are we prepared to do to cut the spending? We can't run next year as a Republican majority with an open border that has, what, some 300,000 a month coming into our country now, something like that. And, and, and what, 36, maybe even 37 trillion in national debt. And we didn't even cut spending year over year. So what are we prepared to do? That's my question for the speaker. Uh, we're, we're sending that message as a House Freedom Caucus publicly and privately to our conference. And, and, and to our speaker that, frankly, we are not willing to go along. We're not even willing just to vote no and get rolled so that we can wash our hands and say, well, I didn't vote for it. We're prepared to use every tool at our disposal to try to force the change that we ran on uh, as it applies to the FISA surveillance, you know, reforming that, as it applies to any vote on Ukraine, what will be required on that from our standpoint. Uh, that keeping Israel as a standalone, requiring pay-fors on supplementals, uh, and what is the commitment to cutting the top line spending this year? So, no, that's it. And, and you know, we you mentioned it. We hate to reference it, and it's just one of those harsh realities for the slim majority in the Republican House and new Speaker Mike Johnson. Nancy Pelosi in the past has done more with less, and yeah. it was the fact that you know when when she whips the Democrats, she convinces everybody that this is what's best for the country. She just railroads it through no matter what, and she scares squish Republicans like, hey, listen, you don't want to vote with us? That's fine. We'll just get you primaried. And, you know, it's time to play hardball. I I think you guys are up for the task. I I really do. I'm giving you guys the benefit of the doubt. I've seen a lot of hard work. You know, that freshman class of congressmen and you guys that have been in there for a couple cycles already, I I think are are changing things up. You know, we had Congressman Mike Collins on our Tuesday edition of the show this week, uh, Representative Good, and and he really talked about – the long nights and how it bugged the people who were up on Capitol Hill for so many years. Like, why are we going past four o'clock in the afternoon? And, and you know, then you see like all these other guys like uh, arguing with other people at, at after hours parties, talking about you know stuff that's going on behind closed doors in, in your guys' conference meetings. It's just it's it's getting wild. But now that the curtains pulled been pulled back. I mean, I've been covering politics my entire life. My dad was really into politics when I was a kid. Always had me watching the news and stuff like that. I've never seen such a, a a view that we have right now of what Congress is really like. There always used to be like these stoic characters who'd come out, they'd speak behind a podium, and then you wouldn't see them again from you know until the next major issue came up. Now there's a major issue every day, and it's not just in the House of Representatives; it's worldwide. And that's one of the things I want to kind of segue on and talk to you about. I saw that you're uh, co-sponsoring a bill with Texas Congressman Chip Roy. 
Climate change is something that we feel just the same way you guys do here on Steak for Breakfast. Anytime people want to challenge you know, us with anything having to do with climate change, we always reference them back to that classic video of John Coleman who founded the Weather Channel. When he went on CNN, it's probably 20 years ago now, and took Brian Stelter for a ride uh, on the Radical Climate Mafia house. It's all money-based, and you know they try to scare all these companies and the American people, and the, how the world's going to end every 10 years has changed every 10 years for the last 100 years, and you guys want to put an end to it. And, and, and some of the things that John Kerry's doing, now they're, they're having a huge climate summit right now, and uh, all the bigs are there. Obviously, they jet-set it in. More of the hypocrisy they profess. They're all eating steak dinners and all that stuff that they're telling us not to eat. But why don't you tell us about this bill exactly and, and, and what you plan to push with Congressman Roy? Well, I'm going to confess, and I don't remember which bill we're talking about with Chip Roy because I'm doing so many of co-sponsoring. He and I work together so closely. But I'll just speak on climate change more broadly, more generally, if I may. And then you can remind me on triggers if you have them on the bill so it'll trigger my mind. No, I got but it, I will I, just I, say – I got it real quick. It's Go ahead. H.R. 4751. It's the defund John Kerry's office. Oh, yes. Well, and that's a great point there, uh, by the way. So we can't get – and I almost touched on this when we were talking about Mr. Santos. Sure. But we have filed, my House Freedom Caucus colleagues and I have filed hundreds of amendments uh, that deal with holding accountable members of the administration like John Kerry that will defund them, defund their office, or even reduce funding for their office or cut their salary because of how they're abusing their power and literally harming the American people or they're breaking the law with the things that they're doing, whether it's those who are perpetrating the, the, the illegal, unconstitutional uh, uh, abortion funding in the military, for example. Well, let's cut to, to zero the salaries of the people who are doing that. And so here, yeah, Chip Roy, uh, who's one of our most outstanding members of Congress, certainly leading the way to let's defund the John Kerry office because uh, John Kerry's a fraud. John Kerry's, you know, and, and his cronies are getting rich off the climate uh, industry, if you will. And, and he's jetting around in his private jet. He doesn't live like most Americans do. And he's putting burdens on others that he himself doesn't live by. But this climate hoax, and it is a hoax, quite, quite frankly, and I would submit it's the greatest hoax perpetrated on the American people or on the world since evolution. By evolution is impossible. That's the greatest hoax that's been perpetrated. But but this this climate, that man-made climate change, that we can measurably impact the weather and the climate. You know, they they estimate that if we spend a hundred trillion dollars. Now, mind you, uh, we've only got thirty-four trillion dollars in national debt. So if we if we borrow and spend three times the total accumulated debt which would be somewhere in the range of $300,000 per American citizen. If we do that, we might, you know, uh, 50 years from now, lower the Earth's temperature by half a degree. We might. Or if we do what we did at the height of the COVID lockdown, if we shut down the world's manufacturing, the world's travel, the world's industry, if we go into lockdown worldwide that we did for about three months, the first three months of COVID, if we do that for 10 years, then we would lower emission standards enough. We just kept doing that for 10 years to, to perhaps lower the, the Earth's temperature by half a degree to meet the Paris Climate Accords. You know, the fact is that fossil fuels brings more prosperity around the globe than anything else. It helps these third world countries more than anything else. We're the world's largest clean energy producer. We're, clean, we're producing it more cleanly than we ever have. We will never be able to survive off this unreliable, unaffordable, quote unquote, renewable energy. It's a, it's a fraud. It's a hoax. It's a control factor. Uh, they're trying to change how we live our lives. How did we get to the point where we're allowing our government to tell us what kind of a car we can drive? 
what kind of a car we can own, what kind of an appliance we can have in our home, whether or not we can heat or cool our homes. And it's just the beginning. This administration is looking at everything through a climate lens. The harm done with 12 of the last 16 years by the end of this president's term, 12 of the last 16 years, we've had these radical leftist climate crazy administrations. Uh, the harm they've done, gosh, if we continue this for another four years after this next year, uh, irreparable harm is being done uh, in my home state of Virginia and across the country because of these policies. And it, it frankly, it is a hoax. No, it certainly is. And it, it's it's even a bigger joke like you, you pretty much alluded to, especially when it comes to the case of, of John Kerry, who, who's also a liar on a lot of other things outside of the mm-hmm. climate change deal. You know, going back to his candidacy for president against uh, George W. Bush. Congressman, last thing, you know, we're heading into the holiday season. There's a lot of people who are going to be, you know, putting a lot more of an attentive eye on Capitol Hill and Congress throughout the holiday season. There's a lot of, you know, promises that were made. We already seen some of them starting to come to fruition. Obviously, we we haven't talked to you since Speaker Johnson released the January 6 tapes. I think that's a big plus in, in his, uh, you know, it took less yeah. than three weeks for something that Kevin McCarthy couldn't do in, right. in almost 10 months. But you want to talk about just the basics. You got the, we covered it all today. The budget the border, and holding the Biden crime family accountable. A lot of people in America first, a lot of potential voters in in next year's election, it's going to be a presidential ticket, probably record turnouts again, like the last election cycle, are going to be looking for things to fill their stocking with and put underneath their tree. Is is this a good time when it comes to Congress, you know, when you guys are so heavily scrutinized for what's going on up on Capitol Hill to just kind of keep the faith and, and see the work that you guys are doing right now? Well, people should be, you know, it's easy for us to come together. And unfortunately, we spend a lot of time talking about what's wrong, what we need to do, what we need to fix, and what we need to work on, of course, appropriately so. But people can take heart in this and take hope in this. At least Congress is beginning to operate the way that Congress is supposed to operate. You alluded to that earlier in the in, in, in the broadcast here, that we have regular order. We have a single issue legislation. We have an amount of time to review legislation before we vote on it, you know, 72 hours. We're allowed to make amendments to make changes to legislation. It works through the appropriate committees. Uh, We've got conservatives representation at the table, at the leadership table uh, and in our committees and so forth. Uh, And we have us and and we, we threw off the speaker and we selected a new speaker and the American people got to see it, to your point. It wasn't a coronation. It was a contest. It was a competition. And several were passed over and didn't get the support. And then we settled on a guy who is a legitimate conservative. He is an honest individual, a high character person who wants to do the right things. We just got to come alongside him and help him and support him and persuade him and encourage him to do that. And when necessary, hold him accountable to do that. Uh, But at least we are fighting over how to cut spending and how much to cut spending. We haven't done that in decades. At least we've passed seven of our 12 spending bills and we're fighting about passing the remaining five. That hasn't happened in decades. Like you said, we have, we have a speaker who, who is pursuing impeachment. He is making the case for impeachment with the, in the, in the Republican conference based on the Biden crime family. That wasn't going to happen on the previous speaker. To your point, he's released the January 6 tapes as he promised that he would do. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I think that he wants to do the right things on reforming FISA and, and not just extending that or reauthorizing that. Uh, we're trying to work with him to do that. Andy Biggs has taken the lead on that as yeah. Chip Roy and Andy Biggs have taken the lead. At least we're, we've passed a good border security bill that's even better than the policies that the Trump administration was operating. But it would be instead of presidential policy and rules, if you will, or uh, 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 executive orders, it would be codified into law. And then if you combine that 
with a new president who will actually follow the law a year from now, then we'll be in so much stronger position. Now, again, we can't let it go for another year. We, but but so there's reason to be hopeful. And there are members of Congress who've demonstrated their willingness to do whatever it takes to try to bring change, to not continue the status quo, even if it costs them politically, and 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 to even confront our own party when we're wrong. And And I think that should give the American people hope. No, it's the truth. And, you know, when you talk about a lot of the guests who come on our show, Congressman Crane, Corey Mills, off the top of my head, obviously There's Matt a couple G- good ones right there. Yeah. Matt Gaetje, you're very close with. I mean, it, it's the leadership and mentorship that you're providing to this new class and showing them, like, they're on display in the halls of Congress. It's what it's been like forever. And this is the change that this small group is starting. You guys do get to add numbers next year in the election cycle and, and moving forward. That's what I, that's my hope for Congress, that the lead that you guys are providing, the leadership and the mentorship this year and, and whatever happens, happens, moves into next year's election cycle. And you bring in even more people who share the same mentality as you guys and are going to be fighting actually for the American people instead of the status quo. Congressman, as always, an honor to be sitting down with you today. We'll be looking to have you back at any time in the near future that you'd be set to join us. Well, your- can I? Sure. Can I plug one thing? Please, folks, go to bobgoodforcongress.com to support me, if you will. I don't usually do that, but I do have a primary challenger that's going to be well-funded. The swamp is trying to strike back and make an example against me. Uh, so I certainly would appreciate folks' help. No, absolutely. We'll be live linking the congressional website in the show description today, as Thank always, you. directing people there. And looking forward to sitting down with the congressman who's representing Virginia 6 again soon. Mr. Bob Good, thanks for joining us on the show and getting things started. Thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you, Chairman Perry. When are we going to begin to fight for the American people? And when is too much debt and too much spending uh, enough? When is it enough? We are at historic times with a record historic two and a half trillion dollar deficit we're on track for in these last 12 months. With $34 trillion in debt now, we'll be at $36 trillion by the end of this Congress. We've got historically high inflation that's crushing the American people, whether it's gas prices, grocery prices, utility prices, housing prices. We've got historically high interest rates, further exacerbating our debt situation. The American people are suffering. We are heading for a fiscal, financial, and economic collapse. And yet, even with a Republican majority in the House of Representatives, we have not shown a demonstrated desire to cut our spending, even with the Republican majority. What I just described is happening on our watch, and we have nothing to show to this point when it comes to spending with a Republican majority in the House. What is our resolve to cut our spending this year over last year? What is our resolve to use the leverage we have with the power the American people have given us with a House majority? To the chairman's point just a moment ago, Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, the, the president, the Senate, and the House together agreed apart from our support, we didn't support that because it was too much, but agreed to the FRA level, $1.59 trillion, cutting about $100 billion from the $1.7 omnibus bill that was, that was uh, signed a year ago. And yet we don't even have a commitment at this point for that top-line spending level for total programmatic spending for this coming year. What are we prepared to do to secure the border? What are we prepared to do to stop the invasion at our southern border? Are we, we should not be willing to fund a government that continues to bankrupt the American people and to flood our nation with hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens a day. We had some 10,000 yesterday. Irreparable harm is being done to the country by this president intentionally, and the only possible stopgap, the only possible barrier is the House majority. We're so thankful to have our Senate colleagues here, the conservative leaders of the Senate, here with us today to say enough is enough. We are determined to fight. Mm -hmm. 
Jumping into the news portion of our show today on this Big Friday edition of the show. I'm Rowan Noah, still here. Yo. He looks heavily concerned about that heap and helping of Bob Good we piled on top of the interview <laughs> we just did with Bob Good to get things started here. I like that's like double Bob Good. Can't get enough of him. You know, and he he's there at the presser yesterday talking about what they were arguing in in conference and, and you know, passing out a stern warning to all the squishes there in the Republican House. What have you guys done for me lately or mm. at all? And, and flanked by a lot of the Steak for Breakfast enjoyers. Just there is him, Andy Ogles, Rep Klein, Burkeen. I see Matt Rosendale there, Ralph Norman, et cetera. And, and the thing is, when you talk about prioritizing what's best for the American people, and I'll be the first one to admit it, we defend these guys more than most. You go on to social media, especially on X. No, I know you see it too. Anytime a congressman or woman posts anything that's positive, it's you guys all fucking suck, lock mm-hmm. down the board. Like people who don't understand how the political system works, you're starting to see also, and Congressman Good, he pointed it out there. Joe Biden is doing this willfully and purposely. Mm-hmm. And all this is doing, just like he did on day one when he wrote over 70 executive orders to try and erase the Trump doctrine, he's trying to make Donald Trump's job a lot harder come January of 2025. What can you say to that? You have to support the small amount of men and women who are there actually fighting. We'll have another one coming on the show in just a bit. Florida representative Corey Mills, one of our favorites, our listenership's favorites as well. And for everyone that's tracking the George Santos thing, we've already reached out to the congressman and hopefully we'll have him back soon. He's been a great guest of the show all the way back to his candidate days. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, we don't want to jump the gun on, on the legal process that George Santos is entitled to, and therefore we will continue to support the congressman, now former congressman, since the motion to uh, expel him from Congress has passed, is now a thing. Now, Noah, this, this was pretty wild the way it went down. You, you saw the review from the Ethics Committee that came out last week that showed George Santos used anywhere between zero and $50,000 to pay off personal credit card debts, public parking, Dinners for people that were, you know, related to his campaign, et cetera. Maybe an OnlyFans account. I mean, until you said OnlyFans, wasn't isn't all that just kind of normal? Yeah, and I mean, I'm not defending the guy. I'm not, you know, criticizing the guy. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, isn't that like a normal thing? Like, like when you're doing business, like you write off like business expenses, like meals, you write off parking, that kind of thing. And here's the thing: I, I maybe think not it, OnlyFans, but you know, whatever. I, I think. <laughs> Those buttholes aren't going to photograph themselves. An overwhelming majority of the things that George Santos is being accused of, as is the case with most of these, like, white-collar crimes, are going to be dismissed or they're going to find a reasonable solution to. And, you know, if there's things that if he's convicted of, that's for the legal process to determine, not me or Noah or anybody else. But you could tell. And if he's cleared, what happens? He gets a spot back? <laughs> it's, apparently there's going to be a special election in March, so we'll have to see what happens. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. You know, and, and you just look at some of the biggest players out there. Eric Swalwell banged a Chinese spy for five years, hired another member of the CCP, which was one of her spy counterparts, to be the secretary in his congressional office. Well, he was trying to get the triple play. Adam Schiff, semicolon, Russia collusion. Yeah. What else do you have to say? Mm-mm. Rashida Tlaib, literally. Marry your brother. No. <laughs> We're Wait. getting there. 
Is that that's her, right? Rashida Tlaib, literally a terrorist. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it was she was doxxed on Facebook just a week ago, being in a room where they, they were talking about all the nasty stuff that happened in Israel on October seventh. She's a terrorist, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And then and Noah kind of jumped the gun, or the brother. He was trying to bring up Elon Omar. Oh, that's right. No, I got I got him mixed up. Who fraudulently married her brother to evade the normal parameters of the American immigration system and gain her citizenship by brother humping. I uh, may not have brother humped, just, you know, on She's paper. Brother humper. On She's paper. brother humper. Brother humper. Okay, sure. Let's go with it. You you have all this other stuff that has gone on. Senator Menendez is still getting intel briefings. The senator from New Jersey who was found, again, the legal process hasn't played out for him either, but there should be some guardrails on there to at least minimize your job to just being a senator and remove you from committees and anything else that's a compromising national security possibly because of what you're being accused of, but it doesn't mean you automatically get removed from Congress. Yeah, A couple Civil War generals and people that have actually been convicted of crimes are the only ones that have been expelled from Congress and now George Santos. So we'll have to see exactly how this kind of shakes out. So Speaker Johnson read the final tally, and with it, George Santos was expelled Before we hear Corey Mills' reply, let's hear from the Speaker of the House. Yeas are 311, the nays are 114, with two recorded as present. Two-thirds voting in the affirmative, the resolution is adopted, and a motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. The clerk will notify the Governor of the State of New York of the action of the House. Under Clause 5D of Rule 20, the Chair announces to the House that in light of the expulsion of the gentleman from New York, Mr. Santos, the whole number of the House is now 434. And it's with that that we saw something happen in the Republican House not in a long time. Was, was Santos in there? Did he have to, like, walk out right when that happened? Or he was, somebody escorted him out or what? He was sitting in the back of the room. He gave um, a gaggle to some of the White House, you know, reporters that hang out in the halls of Congress all day, talked about how this isn't the end of the road for him. He was obviously railroaded and not given due process. He he wants to move forward. Did he shout out his OnlyFans link? <sighs> I love the guy. Yeah, no, he's a good guy. Congressman Mills was quick to issue a reply shortly after the vote happened. Before he joins us on the show in actuality, let's hear what he had to say. Hey, everyone. Congressman Corey Mills, Florida 7th District. We've obviously just had a very historic vote that took place with regards to the expulsion of Representative George Santos of New York Three. I wanna be clear in why I voted no to expel Representative Santos. In our entire history of Congress, we've only had five people who've ever been expelled, three of which had fought for the Confederacy and were expelled in 1861, and the other two who had been convicted, not accused or indicted, but convicted of actual criminality. Look at that nice picture. We set a very dangerous Mills has in his office. In America. Nice. When this institution is allowed to expel and play judge, juror, and executioner on someone who had not had yet their constitutional rights to have their day in in court to approach their accusers before a jury of their peers, mm. we are not a body in which we go at the whim of men or the whim of politicians. But we are based on the rule of law and the fact that we will abide by those laws 
and we will ensure that every individual has their rights to be either freed or to be actually tried and convicted. And we'll leave it there as we're going to be able to get some more commentary from Congressman Mills in just a bit. You know, I had the lead in leading up to this, and I, I guess the only part about breaking news happened on today with the show is, number one, you could ask everybody about it. Number two, they actually did the vote this morning because scumbaggedly, most of them want to get out of D.C. and go home for the weekend. Weird. Usually it happens like 15 minutes after we're done recording. So at least we get the lead in here today. Yeah. And don't have to be dated for everyone else that put out a podcast this morning. I know. We're always like, ah, oh, shit, something just happened. We just recorded the outro. Should we add it in? Nah. Nah. There were people. Speaker Johnson said he wasn't going to entertain whipping votes. Mike Collins put out a statement this morning as well. Lee Stefanik, Tom Emmer. Most of the Michigan delegation minus John James, who turns out to be the best Democrat the Republicans elected last election cycle. And, of course, an overwhelming majority of the Florida delegation. They're setting themselves up to to go head-to-head with the New York delegation of the Republican House, and that's not going to give it. Listen, you thought the infighting was getting petty right after the motion to vacate and after Speaker Johnson got the gavel. It's going to be getting worse now mm. because here's the thing. They can't get Matt Gates, and all of the rest of the freshmen in Congress, the Mills, the Collins, the Eli Cranes, these guys are straight and narrow. These are good family people. They've run businesses in the past, and they've actually done what they said they were going to do when they campaigned last year before they went to Congress. So they're not going to get any of those people on anything. Mm-mm. They saw George Santos as a, as a squish target, and then they went and challenged some of the Republicans who might be sitting in purple seats and said, here's the deal. You vote with us to get rid of Santos, or you're going to get fucking primaried in a couple months. Your choice, but I would not want to run up against Nancy Pelosi bucks in a campaign next year and have to deal with all of that shit. Yeah, no. So it, it was kind of a no-win situation, unless, like Elon Musk did this week, and we'll touch on a little bit later when we've got Jim Nels in here, just tells them to go fuck themselves, which is what they should have done. Mm-hmm. You know, the Republican House needs to start showing a little bit more of a spine. And as they're getting ready to work on some other stuff, I mean, just this week I saw this. This is a good one, Noah. Check this out. So inside the House, there's a little news. There was an event 14 members attended this week. It was like a private fundraising event to talk about how things are going to go down in funding Republican House seats in next year's election. Speaker Johnson attended. He was one of the 14 people who spoke. And they raised a big, big amount of money, over $1.4 million just for that event. Mm. Um, obviously, he said early and often that he doesn't care and wouldn't be whipping anybody for the Santos vote. And Elise Stefanik, who's you know continues to be in House leadership as well, she said that since she's added Donald Trump-related stuff to her campaign website, not her official congressional site, but you know every two years the House members run for re-election, She's seen a 25% bump in digital fundraising Nice, since getting the official Trump badge. Her endorsement for the 45th president has been added to her site. So there, there was some good stuff going on, but it, it was just a weird week up on Capitol Hill. We're going to be segueing now. There was some committee work that I want to talk about, too, and some really interesting stuff developing within the Supreme Court. Okay, Rep. Ben Klein, he loves the show, loves coming on. Mm-hmm. His staff loves us as well. You know, we, we were chatting the other day, and... He was on this committee, and him and Swalwell had a pretty epic back and forth. And during the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Responsiveness, Accountability, and Oversight, just imagine that somebody that's America First like Ben Klein sits right across 
from a congressman like Eric Swalwell. <laughs> Fartwell. Shartwell? Mm. CCP well as well. Mm. Fang Fang? Or as Troy Nelson so elegantly puts it. Yum, yum. Yum, yum. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, we're talking about the Democrats just not caring about anything, and it's starting to show. Mm-hmm. They've pushed for the Santos expulsion. They're now making moves on the U.S. Supreme Court. That That's a really big story that's developing. And then Representative Klein is talking about how the FTC continues to stonewall the Republican House Judiciary's demands for info on their harassment of then-Twitter. So this is during the 2020 presidential election cycle. Politically pressured by the far left and a lot of the three letter agencies. Rep. Klein went in on this hard. Let's hear him. Do you agree that the FTC's non-compliance with this subpoena should have significant repercussions for the agency? Um, we are attempting to be responsive in light of the fact You're that this is an ongoing. To be responsive. Damn. Her name is Mrs. Bumpus. You're failing. Mrs. What? So Bumpus. Bumpus. Your stonewalling. Bumpus. Your non-compliance mm-hmm. today. Um, is, quite frankly, insulting to this committee and insulting to the American people who we represent. We expect more from you. It is unfortunate that you are here again because we strive through our committee conversations, our staff conversations, to actually work behind the scenes to get the information that we've requested without having to resort to these hearings we understand that it takes time from your schedule. We understand that it takes time from the staff behind you. But the American people are demanding these documents, are demanding this information, are demanding accountability, and we are the branch of government that must ensure compliance, that must ensure that those executive branch agencies that fail to comply are held accountable. And it's that accountability that we're looking for, I think, as we head into the election year next year, and then again in 2025, if we can retain power in the House and take back the White House, God forbid, mm. that we're really going to see just how bad it was. It seems like every week the Wait, stuff that— you say, take back the White House, God forbid? <laughs> I was saying it sarcastically, Noah. <laughs> it's just one of those days. You, you wouldn't think that George Santos wouldn't have a job at the end of Steak for Breakfast Friday edition today, but here we are. Yeah. This isn't the last you've seen of Santos. The Phoenix shall rise. Well, it's just, it's the same thing that we're seeing throughout the entirety of the judicial system. Mm -hmm. It's if you have political views that are dissenting against what the mainstream norm or the ruling powers that be agree with, then you can be slighted and you can have your rights taken away. You can be thrown in a dungeon without trial by your peers for multiple years like the J6 people. Or George Santos, or or George Santos, who's hasn't even been convicted or or really been given disposition of guilt. Like, yeah, it looks bad. Agreed, but you, shouldn't you wait like until you know all the facts are in? And that's the thing: a lot of ins and outs, interested parties. When you start to get this information back from these members of Congress who are doing the digging now, isn't it so weird how all the tapes and paper? Depositions of people who testified during the January 6th committee just seem to have disappeared. Where are they? They can't find them. Apparently they're lost. Strange. So weird. Weren't they trying to make uh, something about... They were trying to destroy certain documents, right? Mm -hmm. And they were trying to put a hold on that. Like, how does that even make sense? That this is such a huge 
a bone of contention with everybody in society. Remember. And we're just going to like, well, you know what? We just, we deleted all those, you know, like. Uh, Why would you want to keep records on something that's as bad as 15 9-11s, according to Joe Biden? 15 9-11s with, I mean, yeah. Hiroshima on top? <laughs> These guys are morons. I don't want to talk about Joe Biden nuking anything, but he had something to say about so the other the, day. So is the, the, the lectern guy, would he be like the Enola gay? I'd have to ask him. <laughs> They weren't done in that committee, though, because Eric Swalwell, piece of shit, kept interrupting Representative Klein and then calling it a waste of time to the point to where... He was wasting his time. Well, as the chair, Klein actually got into a back and forth with Fartwell. Let's hear it. I think this Congress is more like the WWE. It's like pro wrestling. I think the gentleman is a fan of WWE. I can assure him that... Congress is, is not WWE, but if it is, then this administration is the equivalent of the Sopranos. <laughs> and you want to know what? <laughs> yes. No one's going to drop a Sopranos ah. reference on Steak for Breakfast, Representative Klein included, and not get an actual taste from the actual show. You know how I feel about Eric Swalwell. He oh, should fucking lines. die. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we're leaving it. Oh, man. No, he might eat himself to death someday. I had such a nice show script written up today, and here I am flying by the seat of my pants. Yeah. Listen, we're doing the best we can. and We're doing the best you're going to get. That's it on this Friday edition of Steak for Everest. Listen, the guest lineup is absolutely delectable, so thank me there. Yeah. Rounding up here, Jim Jordan, he sits on the judiciary, chairs it even. Has, he's had a busy week. First of all, we've got some, some more subpoenas coming out. This week, Jim Jordan issued subpoenas for former Biden White House officials in roles for government censorship efforts. Those went to Robert Flaherty and Andrew Slavitt, and that's from the Weaponization Committee. During the Weaponization Committee this week, Jim Jordan was talking about the amount of censorship that happened on social media. They're trying to all bring this to the forefront because they are really trying their best to avoid having this be an issue in next year's presidential election. And if you've heard the rhetoric of DHS Secretary Alejandro Ale, former uh, co-captain of the boys' varsity tennis team there at Beverly Hills High, Ollie. talk about it. Online censorship and preventing misinformation getting out there is his number one priority. Not the over 10 million people that have come into this country unabatedly, but censoring your shit post on Twitter. What if the people that come into the country now, what if they start shit posting? It's a very good point. I'm not prepared for that question today. Hey, you don't have the data? You want to know what's... Um, Poppy, thanks for your question. I don't have the data. However, Jim Jordan had the data, even percentages, on how much conservative voices were repressed on social media during said cycle back in 2020. And when the Democrats start arguing... That it wasn't enough of a percentage of censorship to make a difference. Listen to this back and forth. Mr. is 13% censorship still censorship? Absolutely. And the other 87% is what we call the chilling effect that the courts have long recognized that they engaged in. You that to, is the problem. There's a broad, op by the way, part of the operation, Congressman Holy Goldman, cow. part of the operation was to change the terms of service. So you see them constantly trying to change the terms of service 
you see them. It was 35% of, of the URLs that were according to EIP were labeled, removed, or soft blocked. That's all forms of censorship. That censorship is not just removal. But 65% were not. So how can the government be so, so coercive? So does the First Amendment were, say that's that about par for the course on government Does the First Amendment say the government can censor the time of the has expired. They're not censoring. They're flagging in the social They're media companies. So under coercion, 35% of a First Sarah, Amendment? There you go. It's not the First Amendment. It's the terms of service, as you said, and they are flagging it for the social media companies to make their own decisions. That is not the First Amendment. Somebody that even laughed the in the committee. <laughs> well, I thought that was you. Attorney, no? You know that the four federal judges have already ruled that... This, and I know that it's on appeal in front of the Supreme Court right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, this, that debate was very constructive. Woo, that was fun. I think that got to the heart of the... Mm. It, it does sound like a little bit like WWE. Like I said, well... <laughs> True story, <laughs> but that's the thing. These do you hear the Democrats, and they're like, "Well, they still have sixty three percent of free speech," and it's just like, "What does that even mean?" What I mean, like, that's your argument, like, "Well, you know, he's he's only you know, your your bloody arms off." <laughs> I've had worse. That's the thing. <laughs> they let the cat out of the bag, though, because the guy went and said, uh, "Representative Goldman." Well, you know, this is all outlined specifically in the terms of service. Here's the new thing, Noah. Now, the FBI, the DOJ, DHS, the NSA, you name it, they're approaching these software companies like Apple, Facebook, Instagram, X, probably not X so much anymore, and getting into the language of the terms of service that you just scroll down to the bottom and oh hit. Oh, my gosh. That you don't have a First Amendment right now when you're posting this shit online. And that's where they're trying to ensnare people into this trap today. So another evolving part of how the censorship industrial complex works was revealed in the Weaponization Committee this week via the terms of service. It's really, I've gotten to the point to where it's like, you want to know what? My account's not going to get nuked on X. I'm going to post whatever the fuck I want. Mm -hmm. I don't even care. I don't fed post. I just shit post. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be working out for us right now. But that wasn't the most alarming thing. Before we get to that, guys, wherever you're listening to the podcast today, it's a heater. You know you like it. Just do us one favor. For the low, low price of absolutely free, follow the Steak for Breakfast podcast on any major downloadable podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. In addition, we've got social medias for you. Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow them, and hit the notification bell. Corey Mills jumping in here in just a minute. I do have our national treasure, Senator Ted Kennedy. Nice. Talking in a little bit more somber tone. And here's the thing. The Senate Judiciary Committee is looking to move on dragging private citizens into the committee and to basically peel back the layers on these people who have supported and are friends with people like Supreme Court Justice Thomas and Alito. At the same time, you have others like Sotomayor who basically wrote a book, went around the country, and laundered money through her book distribution. She basically bought her own book and like passed it out so people would donate money to her. And then wrote it off or something probably. And they don't want to investigate that at all. They are setting such a dangerous precedent here 
And and we always talk about the toothpaste that you can't put back in the bottle. This is literally the toothpaste of toothpaste. When you start trying to provide oversight on the judicial body that makes the ultimate decision as the law of the land in the United States, you're essentially turning them into nothing. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to intimidate these judges, who are the last line of defense in a lot of things in this country? And this just doesn't go for Republicans or conservatives or Donald Trump or MAGA. This is all Americans. As a lot of people are starting to find out these days, these rulings could affect the very existence of our country. And if the Senate Judiciary... Well, that's if AI doesn't kill us first. True story. Kamala Harris said that that was stupid, too. She said, yeah, I know everybody has, like, the two pictures, one of, like, you know, the the path that leads to the castle and the other one that has, like, Terminators and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was like, what the fuck are you even talking about? <laughs> I didn't even want to put it. I looked at the clip, like, three times. I was like, I don't even understand that. And we usually... Was anybody on a bus? No, she was at that, you know, New York Times thing that uh, Elon Musk was at. No. But Senator Kennedy brought it back down to ground level. And even though it might be falling on deaf ears, kind of laid it out there for the Senate Democrats on the Judiciary Committee. Let's hear it. I'd like you to, I'd like you to consider this. I, I, don't, I don't understand why you're taking this new approach. Um, I thought, I enjoy working, I enjoy this committee. Um, we all take our responsibility seriously. I can only speak for me. I try to be fair-minded. I voted for a number of President Biden's nominees um, when, when I think they're qualified. And I try to ask substantive questions. I did the same thing with President Trump's nominees. In fact, we killed five of President Trump's nominees because... We killed them dead as four o'clock because it was apparent after questioning them that they didn't know a law book from a Sears Roebuck catalog. And we killed them. Uh, and I think we, at, on our side of the aisle, my side of the aisle, have voted for more of President Biden's nominees than my Democratic colleagues have voted for President Trump's nominees. No, that's okay. Everybody has one vote, and they're the right have the right to exercise. I, I know you don't like some of my questions. I, I get that, <laughs> um, and I some of your comments have been borderline snarky, but I ignore. Um, when my son was going through puberty, he used to ask. He used to make those comments, and I learned that you know it's the best thing to do is just ignore him. Um, but I just don't understand why you're taking us down this road. I don't. The last time we met, you preached cooperation, and I think we've been cooperating. Um, I think we've confirmed more Louisiana nominees uh, than just about any other state. There were some people who were not here at the last hearing that would like to speak on, and would have liked to speak on Mr. Kashobi. Um, I did speak, and I'm willing to waive my right to speak again. But this is a gentleman uh, who, who says, said that, that uh, he believes that when race is an issue in a case, that he has the right to ignore precedent in the federal rules of evidence and the federal rules of civil procedure and apply a new standard of proof. 
Now, some people find that objectionable. I do. And I think folks should have had the right to weigh in on it. And I, I just, I confess, I don't understand why you're taking us down this road. I don't. Um, and, and, and the final point I guess I would make is that I asked you this question last time, and, and I, I think if where you're headed with this is to ultimately subpoena uh, Justice Thomas or another member of the Supreme Court, um, I think that would be a huge mistake, but if that's where we're going to go with this, I respectfully suggest you go ahead and do it and let us meet it head on. Because that looks to me like it, where it's headed. And, and I think it will uh, provoke a constitutional crisis, and let's just go ahead and meet it head on. It's kind of big from the Louisiana senator. Mm-hmm. You normally don't hear him speak, especially in committee, at that length without making any kind of a, you know, off-topic joke or colorful analogy, but we're talking about trying to dig into unconstitutional oversight of the Supreme court justices. These people who are still harassed in their homes by protesters all the time. That's still happening. And and you've got it in the cases of Alito and justice Thomas. These guys aren't spring chickens. I, I am fully confident in thinking that if Donald Trump wins election next year, He'll probably at some point throughout the course of his four-year term in office be replacing both of those judges, much like he did with the ones that dearly departed during his first term. And if we don't stop the Democrats from trying to derail the Supreme Court and the way that they think moving forward and how they rule on issues that affect all Americans, again, not just conservatives, you're going into some unprecedented territory that I don't know if this nation can handle it at this point. We've got too much shit going on. And, and, and our, our time of holding this all together is getting smaller by the day. Good thing there's an election at the other end of this cycle. Guys, we're going to be jumping in with Corey Mills in just a moment. But before we do, let's hear from one of our partners. Hi, this is Beardo over at Beard Vet Coffee. What's wrong with America today is that Americans are putting convenience over values. We need to start thinking about our dollar as a vote. We need to start using those dollars to support companies that believe in our values and aren't afraid to take a stand. That's us at BeardVet Coffee. We're not another pretend conservative company that puts a pew-pew on the packaging to take a line with our principles. We don't identify as America first. We live America first. We're vet-founded, vet-focused, and obviously bearded. So... If you haven't had a cup of Beard Vet, buy a bag. Help us continue to support veteran charities every month. And as we always say, stay awake, not woke. Use promo code STEAK for 10% off your order. All right, joining us next on the show today, this action-packed Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's the congressman who represents Florida 7, one of our great friends, Representative Mills. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me back, brother. Oh, man, you guys had a busy day up there today. I saw the, uh, well, we led in today. Bob Good joined us and, you know, had so many compliments to say about you guys in the freshman class of the house and how you guys are changing things up there. But, you know, his overall and resounding disappointment with the Republican House based off of the George Santos expulsion this morning that happened up on Capitol Hill. Corey, you want to allude to our listenership, just kind of how you saw this thing shake out and, and what your feelings are on the situation? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, look, we've in our entire history uh, have only expelled five members of Congress, uh, three for treason uh, in 1861 for their uh, role they played in the Civil War, and then two additional, uh, both of which had been convicted of an actual crime. See, this is the very big and telling difference. The precedence that we just set is that the rule of law, due process, your constitutional right to face your accuser, have your day in court to uh, face your jury of peers isn't what matters any longer for expulsion. In fact, now the ethics committee, who I, I have no issue with any of the members of the ethics committee, but they are a reviewing and referral body. They are not a federal grand jury. They are not the Department of Justice. They do not render convictions. And therefore, us basing any of our decisions on what the Ethics Committee has ruled or on accusations, indictments, um, this is basically proving that you are guilty until proven innocent as opposed to being innocent until proven guilty. And I think that this makes a mockery of the institution. I think that it sets a very dangerous precedence, which could be further weaponized by both sides of the aisle to now just start launching frivolous and ambiguous types of ethics uh, complaints to get investigations going, because now apparently that's all it would require is investigations or indictments or accusations. Um, but I really think that it's interesting how we have someone like Jamal Bowman, who is actually convicted of a misdemeanor who was trying to obstruct a vote by pulling a fire alarm. You've got Eric Swalwell, who sat on the Intelligence Committee, who had a known relationship with a CCC, uh, CCP spy. You've got the continual misuse and abuse of power that was done by um, Adam Schiff with regards to his role that he played in the sham uh, impeachment. Uh, investigations for the Russian collusion hoax. I mean, all of those individuals had no real um, uh, punishment and or penalty or uh, saw any type of a, a proper, you know, threat of expulsion or things like this. But a guy, and again, I want to be clear, I'm not defending George Santos. I am not coming to his aid. I'm defending the rule of law. Correct. And I'm defending the institution and which we're supposed to represent. We are not judge, juror, and executioner. We are not playing the role of the judiciary branch. We are the legislative branch. And so I voted no because what I don't want to see is where this type of precedence can be utilized as any type of circumstantial evidence in a jury or circumstantial evidence that can be used against other American people to say that they can treat our J6 or others the exact same way that we just treated George Santos in the House. Yeah, it's, you know, the whole way this process went down and, and without George Santos getting the full due process treatment, it does set a new precedent. This goes back to Pelosi era politics. And, you know, when you see the amount of Republicans who sided with the Democrats in, in getting this to happen, it's just kind of mind blowing to see that no matter what you guys do, whether it's succeeding in getting Speaker McCarthy out as Speaker of the House, whether it's getting the J6 tapes released to the American public, whether it's working towards the appropriations process right now through this continuing resolution, 
they just don't want to continue to lead with W's. They want to take the L. And I think just overall today, and like you mentioned, you know, for the overall process, the past precedent that was set, you're talking about Confederate generals that were removed from Congress, not someone who, you know, made some suspicious. Or someone who was rightfully processed and convicted of a crime. Correct. And, and, and you know, if I was a betting man going into this session of Congress, especially after Kevin McCarthy was was removed, heading into the Thanksgiving holiday, J6 tapes come out, and you said, I've got two people here, Alejandro Mayorkas and George Santos. Bet on which one's going to be removed from their job first. I would have probably bet the farm on Alejandro Mayorkas. However, here we are on Friday, December 1st, and George Santos Well, because is no you have evidentiary first. proof just based on CBP facts, figures, and monthly release, and even the leak that had come out in October of 23 on the numerous countries who are spilling over our border, there was a direct and obvious dereliction of duty with Mayorkas. You don't have anything but accusations. And here's something that people are going to continue to try and spin in the wrong way. They're like, well, Santos admitted to some of the wrongdoing. Well, that's fine. But the admission of guilt still is not an actual conviction or a verdict by a jury or by a court. And so if, if we're truly about constitutionality, if we're truly about doing what is right, if we're truly about fighting for American liberties, freedoms, and you know all the things that we're supposed to have as Americans, this is not the way. But again, we have to have a groundswell, and I hope every listener understands this. Get out there. Look at the people who truly don't follow our constitutional principles. Look at those who truly go after and continue to vote as the rhinos they are, and let's get them removed so we can get a strong, constitutional, conservative, physically conservative, faith-based, just Republican Party who understand how to lead and how to be the majority. Because guess what? The only thing that we have demonstrated is that we right now don't know how to act as the majority. And that is a big issue when we go into 2024. We need to have an overwhelming majority so that we can save this republic. And it is a republic. And so what we saw today, again, I think it makes a mockery of the institution. Uh, I reiterate reiterate that I'm not here defending the position of any one individual, but defending the process that every American is deserving of. And, and, you know, moving forward and on to the next topic, Congressman, that we want to talk to you about, it is the processes that the American public is definitely interested in, notably the appropriations one. Now, I know a mm-hmm. lot of people in America First and, and definitely a lot of the delegation of the freshman class of America First up in the House of Representatives have given Speaker Johnson pretty good remarks since he's taken over. I haven't heard anybody, you know, kind of speak negatively on him. Obviously, there's all the pundits on social media who think they know what it's like to be a congressman or speaker of the House and, and, and you know, try to make their points heard. But the fact of the matter is we're in a vote-based system that requires a lot of whipping. Whether or not it benefits the American people is kind of irrelevant if the people that go in there don't have the right mentality. I think Speaker Johnson is trying to change that mentality. You alluded to it last time you were on the show with us. And moving into this holiday right now, there's going to be more time spent up on Capitol Hill than traditionally. It's going to be taken away from a lot of things like gala season and family time that, you know, are are usually part of of the congressional process. But right now, the American people... Good. We should be working as hard as the American people. I don't want to hear this nonsense from all these members who are complaining they had to work 10 weeks in a row when they're coming in on a Tuesday by you know, voting at 6 p.m. and then leaving on a Friday by noon time frame to go home. We should be here Monday through Friday, Saturday if necessary. You have Americans working two shifts, overtime, all the things. You need to make $11,000 plus more this year than you did last year to afford the exact same goods. So 
yeah, I, I think that we should be sitting here and not complaining. We shouldn't be sitting here looking at gala system of uh, the uh, season and, you know, all this other stuff. We ran to serve the people. Suck it up and do your jobs. That's it right there. You know, we had Congressman Collins in here from Georgia 10 on Tuesday, and he, he alluded to the same thing. You know, he's owned a trucking company for like 30 years and know what it's like to actually go out and get dirty and be on the road for sometimes 24 hours at a time. He says he slept more. Mike is one of my good friends in this freshman class, and I'll tell you something. He does understand the yeah. fact that him and I have both built businesses. We understand the American people, their actual suffering that they're going through, what the quality of life has become, what the affordability, availability of the American dream is. And we've actually not just signed the back of checks, we've signed the front of checks. We know about job creation. We know about economic growth strategies. And we know what it is to be roll our sleeves up and do our job. That's what we should be doing right now. And that's, that's the point that he made. He said he slept on his couch in his congressional office more times since he's been a congressman than he did when he first started his small business, which speaks a lot for the job that needs to get done. But he then made the point that when he gets up here a day early or stays hours late, it turns into a ghost town, except for the same congressmen and women who Back. frequent our show, who are out there on TV saying like, yeah, guess what? I'm doing an interview at like one o'clock in the morning from the Capitol Rotunda because I'm still working. But an overwhelming majority of the rest of the Republican House went home early for the weekend at 4 p.m. Eastern. And Not just Republican House, the House as a whole. Yeah. Both sides of the aisle. They've, there are so many people, and I hate to say it, but I would say the, the majority of the members of Congress who care more about protecting their seat than protecting this Republic. They had fell in love with the idea of being a congressional member more than they have serving the people. And they're not willing to put in the necessary work. That's why it's continual political rhetoric. There's a lot of talk that's by politicians and not enough statesmen with real action who are willing to stay here and actually do the work that's necessary. And that goes into the point of why we're behind on appropriation bills, why we haven't had them done by the October deadline, knowing that's not some flipping holiday and we know it's due every time. We should not be falling into this CR minibus, omnibus, short bus. I don't care what kind of bus it is. We need to actually be up here doing our damn job. No, it's the truth. And then, you know, when you hear the people that are already starting to detract on Speaker Johnson, I think him changing the culture up there and the small amount of time he's had around the Thanksgiving break since he's obtained the Speaker gavel. is, is Speaker Johnson is doing a great job, and he, I, I stand behind him 100%. Yeah, it's one of those things where changing the culture isn't something that you could just flip a switch and do, and you could That's see right. the, the reluctancy. There's congressmen who have been up there for 20 years that are just saying, you know what, at the end of this cycle, I'm not coming back. This is not for me. And I think that's part of the process that we need to continue to go through. Well, I would argue that if you've been up here for 20 plus years, you don't have a right to start complaining about the process because you've been a part of the failures for the last 20 years. Facts. Look, I'm just being direct and honest with it. And I'll tell you something. You know, there's a great saying that says in the beginning, change is hard. In the middle, it is messy. But in the end, is it beautiful? That's what the congress should be be standing for we are about the, the uh congress of change so that when we usher in the later you know next year and into 119th congress that we have an actual body who is ready to govern who understands the priorities of american people but the only way that we're going to demonstrate the right that we should be the majority is by tackling the real issues which number one is securing our borders Number two is becoming more physically responsible and understanding an economic growth strategy and putting something in place. And number three is stopping the funding of these endless wars and start prioritizing an America first agenda that actually protects the American people and protects our borders and our way of life instead of protecting every other nation's border people and way of life. 
you know, that's an excellent point that you made, Congressman. I do want to touch on that because you do have a lot of experience in the field. Listen, you've seen the way that the last week has shaken down with the Biden regime and their handling of the situation in Israel. Uh, you know, there some of the stuff that came out of that closed door meeting with Bibi Netanyahu and his, you know, war cabinet yesterday and Tony Blinken absolutely blew my mind where he stated that they don't have the capital to finish the operation that they started back after, you know, what happened on October 7th there. You have been in Israel since that has happened. You've seen what happened on the ground. How can the Biden administration let the Ukraine war spin endlessly out of control for the last two years and then within weeks tell the president of Israel after nearly 1,500 people were slaughtered in their homes and and kidnapped and, and just murdered in some of the most gruesome ways imaginable to tell them that they need to pump the brakes. Where where does Tony Blinken and Joe Biden get the political capital instead of telling Israel that they don't have it, that that's the job that they should be focusing on right now when the regime that Israel is fighting is literally a terrorist organization? Well, it's pretty simple. All you got to do is just make sure that you're, you know, forming some type of a business in that country that helps to send money to the president. I mean, we've seen where Liberisma, who's a Ukrainian company, sending eighty plus thousand dollars a month to Hunter Biden. I mean, they were benefiting tremendously on this, and I completely agree with you. We sent one hundred and fifteen billion. Not we, because I haven't voted for a penny and won't vote for a penny of it. But I can tell you, they sent one hundred and fifteen billion dollars over to fight that war. They're crying and won't even get it out of the Senate right now. The fourteen point five billion which is reallocated money, not new taxpayers' money, but it actually takes money from the 87,000 IRS agents under the IRA that Biden and Democrats had pushed to help to support uh, Israel, who, by the way, unlike Ukraine, we have American hostages being held by a terrorist organization who is backed by the Iran government, which is the largest state sponsor of terror. And you've got Biden trying to slow roll that war preventing the war, telling another nation what they should or shouldn't do with regards to the protection of their own citizens and their own sovereignty, but yet will request 60 plus billion dollars more in additional aid for Ukraine, and then knows that the true America first uh, patriots that are in Congress would not support such things, so wants to lump it into a bundled aid package, which I will not support, which Speaker Johnson said he will not support. And so the bottom line is that you can always tell which country is going to ensure that they get never-ending funding by where exactly Hunter Biden has gotten his last paycheck. Yeah, it's just, you know, their foreign policy has been a continuation of the Obama doctrine, and, and it's worse because you have all these junior well, staffers. And, and Secretary Gates had warned us about it, right? Yep. I mean, yep. Secretary Gates was the Secretary of Defense under the Obama administration, a known Democrat, who said that Joe Biden's the only individual that he's ever known who's been 100% wrong on foreign policy. I mean, you cannot just absolutely screw up more on the world stage than what Joe Biden has done. I mean, his ability to understand foreign policy is about as good as his ability to get up the Air Force One staircase. This is the most absurd administration that I have ever seen when it comes to how we actually support our allies and not to mention the fact that they're still to this day claiming that we somehow have a, have a responsibility to try and support Ukraine. Sorry, I wasn't elected by Ukraine. I wasn't elected by and supported by the Ukrainian press. I was elected by the American people. That's where my priority is. And guess what? We have hostages being held right now in Israel, and we need to be able to fight to make sure that we get Americans back home. But 
again, let's take a flashback to 2021 when Joe Biden was so willing to leave hundreds and thousands of Americans to die at the hands of the Taliban, Haqqani Network, and ISIS Khorasan in Afghanistan. So why should we expect anything different? 2024 is so important. Do not neglect your civic duties to, to go out there and either elect or reelect a proper constitutionalist America first conservative because we need it so much if we care about future generations. That's the thing right there. These guys, you know, you talk about the 20, you talk about the eight, you talk about the very f- small amount of congressmen and women up there fighting for America first. They need numbers in the next election. They need senators up in the upper chamber and they need president Trump back in the white house. Congressman, this is obviously awesome Amen. sitting down with you today. Always a pleasure when you could grace us with your presence on steak for breakfast. We're going to be live linking your congressional website. So everybody could be tracking your great work in the show description today. But for anyone that wants to check you out on social media, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at floor, uh, at Corey Mills FL. And uh, we also have a campaign site that's on uh, Instagram. And then I'm also on Truth Social. We'll live link them all as well. This is the congressman who's representing Florida 7, but fighting for all of America first. Mr. Corey Mills, thanks for joining us today and have a great weekend. All right, welcome back to debates that nobody really gives a shit about. I'm your host, Sean Hannity, and tonight we have the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, and Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis. Let's begin. All right, first question. Have you ever betrayed the greatest president who ever lived and President Donald J. Trump? No. Uh, What kind of question is that? What the hell? Very simple question, but let's try the next one. Are you a short, insecure little man that likes to wear lifts inside your cowboy boots? Yes or no answer, please. Nope. You know what? My wife bought me those lifts, and I happen to like them, okay? He's even using a stepping stool. I can see it from over here. Governor, we clearly said no step stools. You either get off of it or you're leaving this stage right now. All right, and jumping back into the news, air quoting news now portion of our show. It was always great to catch up with the Florida congressman. We're going to be joined now by another one of our great friends as we talk about a couple different things that happened this week. He's a supply chain expert and always excited to have on the show. Mr. Jim Nels, welcome back. Hey, guys. It's great to be with you. How are you doing today? Well, it's been a busy week. I mean, uh, you know, we're still kind of reeling from the Santos expulsion this morning. I know that you were tracking that and we were talking before we started recording today and you want to provide a little insight from your end on it. Let's hear it. Yeah, let's start with that. So here's the thing. Why is it that Republicans like to lose? We actually just like to lose. Let's look at this. So George Santos, scumbag, should not be in Congress, but we're a year away from an election. We have a very slim majority. Why would you make it even worse? I, I, you know, look at, has he done anything that's more worse than what Alain Omar did marrying her brother? What Senator Menendez did by taking bribes from freaking Egypt and he's still getting confidential briefs as a senator. Yes. Rashida Tlaib, uh, Pelosi, Pelosi, who is the best stock picker in the history of stock pickers, (laughs) she's still in Congress. I mean, is that, what did he do that was so wrong other than be a scumbag? And let's look at some of the guys that voted against him that are supposed to be conservatives and supposed to be supporting the MAGA agenda. Zinke, Jeff Van Drew, Burgess Owens. Burgess Owens was a member of the Raiders of the Just Win Baby, and yet he's voting to get this guy out of Congress. John James, who is the best Democrat elected in Michigan. (laughs) Dan Crenshaw, who I can't believe was an actual Navy SEAL. I want to actually now check 
his military records. And James Comer, James Comer, who is pretending to want to impeach Biden, voted to get an extra member of the Republican Party out of Congress. Again, I'm not defending Santos. He is a scumbag. But this was a stupid, stupid, stupid political move. And this is all on the leader, because I believe procedurally he didn't even need to bring this up for a vote. You know, it, it's just interesting how this all went down. And, and you make some really good points, Jim. You know, Congressman Santos has been a guest on Steak for Breakfast since he was a candidate. He's always provided, I would say, colorful commentary, not necessarily color commentary. But here's the deal. George Santos has voted an overwhelmingly majority more with the America First votes in the House than I think probably all of those people who you mentioned who are supposedly the uh, gold standard of Republicans in the House. We always got to bring it back to Patch McCain as well. You just can't get a, a good shit vote that helps out the Democrats if, if Dan Crenshaw isn't a part of it. What no. a disappointment that guy is. You, you should have told him it was border security. You would have tried to vote on it twice. But, you know, it, it's, it's one of those <laughs> things where, man, you look at the way this went down, and we just can't pick up. It's like remove Kevin McCarthy win, get Speaker Johnson win, shit show for the next three weeks, L, continuing resolution, L, and then we – Okay, Thanksgiving break. Now they're fist fighting behind closed doors. Kevin McCarthy's fighting with, you know, uh, Representative Burkett in the hallway. What's going to happen? Boom. Let's get some January 6 tapes out there. Okay, kind of a win. And then we come back. We have some of these congressmen on. We're back early. We're working hard. Back in the appropriations process. Seven bills done. Five to go. We're working on, you know, all this stuff. And then this George Santos shit just won't go away. I, I really felt. And there's aliens, too. That, uh, listen, we're gonna we're gonna be having Burkett on here on the twelfth, twelve twelve. He's gonna be talking about everything from Congressional Fight Club to fucking aliens, apparently. And uh, <laughs> we're gonna be bringing all the receipts. But you know, it's just wild the way this. And, and, and I think Congressman Good and and uh, Representative Mills they they laid it out so well. There's such a small group working. It's like the Keanu Reeves meme where all the knives are around him, and it's just like ah, okay. And yeah. and and that's the way that you know essentially the twenty have to operate in Congress. I mean. Everyone hates them, like literally hates them. It's just wild. And, 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 you know, they're optimistic that they're going to be able to get stuff done. I'm reluctant to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I want to see stuff get done. You know, nobody wants an omnibus bill in February. No one wants to see Joe Biden pick up another legislative win heading into an election cycle. And, you know, it's just kind of crazy the way that things kind of went down. I guess we're going to have to see. And then you even mentioned James Comer. Like, I do like the work that he's done on judiciary and oversight and, and weaponization, moving towards the formal impeachment. According to Bob Good today, Speaker Johnson wants to bring it to a full House floor impeachment inquiry. But George Santos has not had the, the legal process play out for him. He's just had an ethics review. And, and then you have the person who's chairing the weaponization and, and the presidential impeachment inquiry as the chair voting after, before this guy's had any rulings in court. Which I think yeah, is no. Again, this is not a defense of Santos, right? So I don't want to come across as that. But this is a strategically stupid move by the Republicans. Let's take a slim majority and make it even worse because we want the Democrats to like us. Yep. What the hell is that? And you know, the the Republican Party right now is like a drunk with a gun. You know, something bad is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And I think today we started to see the when start to happen. And it's really a shame that they can't get their act together and act like they are in the freaking majority, which is what they are when it isn't when it comes to the House of Representatives. They've got to stop this petty crap. They've got to get stuff done. But I will guarantee you something, my friends. 
We will be back on here in January complaining about the omnibus that they passed in order to keep the government open because they're too afraid to shut it down. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see it moving forward. You know, uh, just the way this is all kind of playing out, it, it, it's big and it's wild. And we're heading into a presidential election season. So I, I think a lot more Americans who are as concerned with what goes on up on Capitol Hill as we all are here are maybe looking to get into some of those races, especially when you see the reluctancy for some of the longstanding, you know, the Ken Bucks, the Mitt Romneys to say, you want to know what, this is a fucking disaster. I'm getting out of here, going into the consultant class and the media where I can make real money instead of having to pretend I'm just a not inside trader. So we'll have to see how that kind of shakes down. Speaking of two people who uh, not very many Americans have stock in, as we teased with the lead in there, that meme was shared by Donald Trump last night. I don't know who made it. I'm assuming somebody from the Daily Meme team, but it's absolutely fantastic. So Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom did their thing. I don't even know what you want to call it. It wasn't a debate. They yelled and screamed at each other and called each other names and cried and whined to each other for however long Sean Hannity had them on. I didn't watch it live. I watched it on like uh, somebody's Twitter feed, so I didn't give Fox a, a click. But, Jim, I know, I know you saw you know the meat and potatoes of this thing. It didn't move the needle anywhere for anybody. What did you see when you saw this go down? I saw it's two people that's not ready for prime time, even though Gavin Newsom is probably worlds ahead on the debate stage and Ron DeSantis is right now. Yeah, so I saw two petulant little children just yelling at each other back and forth and Sean Hannity doing his best to make DeSantis win. That's what I saw last night. Um, Newsom is a much more polished politician than DeSantis is. He lies through his teeth. He lies while he's smiling to you. Mm. And it comes across as genuine. And the guy is really freaking good at it. I mean, he scares me as a politician. I think DeSantis made a political miscalculation by doing this. I don't think he came off very well here. And he made Trump look a lot more presidential because Trump would have just looked at at, at uh, Gavin Newsom and said, you're a fucking liar and that's bullshit. Yep. Yeah. And that's what Ron needed to do. And he didn't have the cojones to do something like that. And that's what Trump would have done. And I think the MAGA first people understand that. No, it was it was what essentially 90 minutes of pre-prepared one liners towards each other yeah. to end a talking point. And I could it was so telegraphed. I was playing it out what they were going to say. in my And, and Newsom well, is just so slithery. Anytime. Anytime DeSantis would make a valid point about California sucking or Newsom being a shitty governor. He would just give that fucking car salesman smile that irritates the shit out of him. He's got a very punchable face. Yes, they both, so they both do. My, my, my son and I watched this on DVR, and our commentary after it was over was, here's our impression of that debate. Did two, did not, did two, did not, yeah. did two, did not. It was and that was it. It was, it was Pee Wee and Francis. Yeah, and and I, yes. can't, I can't confirm this because it's just coming across my news feed here, but... Apparently, according to Politico Pro, whatever that is, mm. Newsom camp, Hannity, DeSantis cheated. They dispute the charges. So apparently, oh, Newsom's complaining that it was rigged. Yeah, probably but the what, rigged and the, stolen. The, giving him the talking points. Yeah. The one thing I can't understand is, what is Newsom's play here? If he wants to be the shadow candidate, why is he so pro-Biden? I, I don't quite understand that. And I'm not a political operative, right? So I don't always get these things right, but it would seem to me that if he wanted to show that he was the best person to replace Biden, he would have been doing a lot of, yeah, buts. Joe Biden's done a great job, but here's what I would do differently. Joe Biden did a good job with this, but here's how I would do something different. He didn't do that. All he did was basically be a lapdog for Joe Biden, which 
politically doesn't make any sense to me unless there's something going on behind the scenes that I just don't understand right now. I feel like he needs to just maintain the white knight, uh, you know, defending the dementia and distress. That's because you're racist. And, yeah, Why do course. I want to be a white knight? How, well, Why does that be white? Whatever color knight, a pink knight, apparently. Even worse. Vagina hat wearing knight. But I think he just has to continue to go with, this is the guy, he's going to be the best until, oh, I got thrust into it. I didn't really want it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But Biden had a fucking O-ring blowout, and now he's, you know, he's unable to be the president. I'm just going to do what I can. I can't wait for the fight, though, that happens when they try to put a white guy in front of Camilla Harris mm. for president. Ooh. It's going to be the most amazing play ever in the history of politics. Well, you know, there is a certain demographic of the population that's just waiting for a reason to burn shit down. So, yes, they're endorsing President Trump now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. I didn't mean I didn't mean by color. I meant a demographic of just people with a political leaning. OK, I'll allow it. Yeah. So here's the thing. I agree with you, Jim, and I'm going to tell you what I think. The Democrat Party, who always plays the long game, obviously saw how Ron DeSantis did the exact opposite of what Gavin Newsom has done being a lapdog for the current president. Ron DeSantis separated himself some point in 2020 from Donald Trump and tried to make it his own thing, like he was just going to be able to announce his run and therefore MAGA was awarded to him. It didn't work out so well for Ron DeSantis, especially when Donald Trump shows that not only... Has he not lost a step? He might have gained one since 2015 because not only does he have a presidency-packed resume, he also has the experience of lapping these people without the experience in, you know, critical areas that they just don't have it. You know, Nikki Haley might be okay on foreign policy, but she doesn't know shit about domestic anything. And Ron DeSantis is a little bit of the opposite. He was kind of a, a mester in his first term as governor, but now it's like he, he doesn't even do anything and, and has got no resume to back up on it except to pretend that he was okay on COVID. And apparently spends a lot of time at Boot Barn. Yeah, so so I, I well, think without trying well, to burn everything down, I think Gavin Newsom's kind of taking an opposite take on, on what Ron DeSantis did. But like you alluded to, and he should have said, but, and then even went on presenting part of his policy platform saying, this is how I would do, this is how I would capitalize on what Joe Biden's already accomplished. Because legislatively, whether we want to admit it or not, Joe Biden's been a legislative juggernaut. He's got the American Rescue Plan. He's got the Inflation on Reduction Act. He's got, uh, you know, the budget passed uh, through a Republican-led House. I mean, there are things that Gavin Newsom could have capitalized on that we all know are fucked up, but look like wins for Joe Biden on paper. Yeah, no, you're right. A couple of things here. One is your point about the Democrats playing the long game is absolutely right. And I don't understand why Republicans can't get smarter about doing that. Look at the Democrats. They are the model of how to do these things, right? Think about it. When Nancy Pelosi ran the House of Representatives, no single Democrat ever broke from her. And if one even considered doing it, they lost all their fundraising capability. She put them on an island. Yep. Number two, I do want to disagree with you on one thing, Nikki Haley on foreign policy. Nikki Haley is in competition right now with Lindsey Graham on the number of countries that they want to bomb. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know that she knows a lot about um, foreign policy, but her foreign policy is kill them, yes. bomb them, destroy them. Her and Hillary actually agree on that, which is frightening to me. Yeah, that's all I was alluding to is that she is uh, comfortable, you know, talking about foreign policy, not her foreign policy. Fuck that. I don't want to see any more wars for the rest of my life or my kids' lives. Listen, yeah, I promise. Can we stop doing that? Wouldn't that be the best thing? We tease it on Tuesday. I promised all of our followers on X 
we were going to make fun of it so you guys didn't have to watch it. I did find the shortest montage of this debate. It's just over a minute, so you can get the lowlights of it. Let's check it out. It's one thing in closing that we have in common is neither of us will be the nominee for our party in 2024. <laughs> I'm the only guy who's a state governor. You're trolling folks and trying to find migrants to play political games to try to get some news and attention so you can out-Trump Trump. Nice. And by the way, how's that going for you, Ron? You're down 41 points mm. in your own home state. Mm. He's just throwing stuff out to see what sticks against yeah. the wall. This is a slick, Mayor slippery Quimby. politician yeah. whose state is failing, people are leaving his state, and he's trying to run interference right. for his failure. Mm -hmm. Well, this is an app where they plot the human feces the that are app. found on the streets of San Francisco. <laughs> and you see how almost the whole thing is covered because that is what has happened in one of the previous greatest cities this country's ever had. When are you going to drop out and at least give Nikki Haley a shot Oof. to take down Donald Trump Damn. in this nomination? <laughs> she laid you out. Please. You're a walking hypocrite. You what about you're a walking you hypocrite. What about you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? You wish, you wish. Wow. It, that that uh, Nikki Haley line though was great. Yeah. I, you know, that was probably the best line of the night, guys. And I think that that's going to actually resonate with people who are in the middle who aren't in the pro-Trump camp, but don't know between DeSantis and Haley, they're going to be like, yeah, they, he, he should drop out at this point. And let's be honest, if he, I think we've talked about this before on previous podcasts. If he was smart at this point, he would drop out now and pray to God that people forgot that he even ran for president in 2024 and start over in 2028. Well, the Dilly Meme team ain't going to let that happen, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. That guy lives in those <laughs> the DeSantis' nightmares. And uh, it's going to be tough because here's the thing. I, I do have one more clip from this debate. It's relevant. You know, it's fine to make fun of it. This was a complete, absolute sideshow, amateur hour. You know, actually, before I play the last clip, I do want to read... You know, we always have those great uh, posts that come out from the Trump team prior to this. This one's from the heavy hitter, former professional wrestler. I wouldn't mess with the real-life odd job, Stephen Chong. No, this is entitled Kiss of Death. Ron DeSantis is thirsty AF. What does that mean? <laughs> you ready for this one? It's kind of a banger. Ron DeSanctimonious is acting more like a thirsty, third-rate, OnlyFans wannabe model. <laughs> That an actual wow. than an actual presidential candidate. Instead of actually campaigning and trying to turn around his abysmal poll numbers, DeSanctis is so desperate for attention, he's debating a grade-A loser like Gavin Newsom. <laughs> At the debate, Ron will flail his arms and bobble his head widely. This is yeah. an official statement from the Trump campaign. <laughs> Looking more like a San Francisco crackhead than the governor of Florida. Oh, wow. This isn't a prediction. It's a spoiler. Hopefully for Ron, it's a seated debate, so you won't have to bash his foot into his high heel boots to look taller. <laughs> but if not, he'll definitely be on a 12-inch step stool so he can peek right above the podium. In a damning wow. new report exposing Ron for his Chinese ties, he provided tax relief to a federally investigated subsidiary of, of a Chinese company according to Florida state government records. Despite claiming that in the past, his administration had not supported the business. Lying Ron, or now Red Ron, either way, he's still a shill for China and the CCP, who will go to great lengths to protect them. In a new poll from The Messenger and Harris X, this further proved none of Ron DeSantis' endorsements from the likes of Kim Reynolds or Von <laughs> Bob Vanderplatz, and, and the Vanderplatz S is a dollar sign. <laughs> 
<laughs> did anything to help out his numbers. Ron actually dropped to single digits along with Nikki Haley, the bird brain, while President Trump, all caps, increased his commanding lead to 68%. Sincerely, Stephen Chong, official Trump campaign spokesman. <laughs> and here's the thing. Got him. Ron DeSantis's whole campaign was centered around holding Donald Trump accountable for COVID. We try to remind our listenership as frequently as possible that 90% of the stuff that happened negatively with COVID came out after Donald Trump went off, left office. This was all the vaccine shit, the mandates, the continued school closures, masking, you name it, it happened under Joe Biden. In actuality, the vaccine wasn't even readily made available for the American public for all but five weeks of Donald Trump's presidency. And during that time, the left was kicking and screaming, saying they shouldn't trust it. And 99% of the public couldn't get it. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's also that demographic of people out there who think that Donald Trump championed Anthony Fauci with giving him a distinguished congressional presidential medal, whatever bullshit they want to say, for the entirety of an Operation Warp Speed, which every single person, including dirtbags like General Milley, got one. It's pretty standard when a president leaves office. If they have task force or special programs that were worked on, they would get these. It's basically the fucking star on a it's, piece of a paper. That cookie you put, cutter. Yeah, yeah, you put on your refrigerator. It's not like Donald Trump said as he was leaving the tarmac. Thanks for showing up. That's what it is. Right. Heading back down to Mar-a-Lago. Please wait. I can't stop being president now without making sure that Anthony Fauci gets his medal. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know if you saw, it, it, there's, there's a gold star on my medal. But the entire DeSantis idea was that they were going to be able to hold Donald Trump accountable for COVID. And, and in some way that was going to turn the entire movement that he sparked back in 2015 against him. He tried to harness that magic last night on the debate stage on his step stool and against California Governor Gavin Newsom, and Gavin Newsom absolutely fucking nuked him. Let's hear it. Let's talk about your record on COVID. You passed an emergency declaration before the state of California did. You closed down your beaches, your bars, your restaurants. False. It's a fact. You had quarantines. False. You had quarantines. You had checkpoints all over the state of Cal uh, Florida. By the way, I didn't say that. Donald Trump laid you out on this. Dead mm. to right. You did that. True. You followed science. You followed Fauci. That's not, that's not he followed science. He true. followed Fauci. You and were promoting vaccines. You were promoting vaccines. You were promoting vaccines. You even wore a mask in we September. Were open. Son, you were closed. If it's if it's okay. Listen. Did he say son? Here's the thing. Did he say son? I mean, he's 15 years older than Ron DeSantis. <laughs> but here's the deal. If you say anything negative about COVID and Ron DeSantis online, every fucking sock puppet account on the planet will come out and to try to destroy you. Mm. And the fact that he said repeatedly, you followed science, you followed Fauci. Ron DeSantis was just like, Ugh! it was like the demons were getting ready to get ripped out of his body and he was getting exercised. It was awful. I didn't. No, I didn't. Like driving home and you have to poop. Really Again, bad. it comes back to the whole debate was did not, did to, did not, did mm -hmm. to. And again, I don't know how many people viewed it. I haven't seen any of the numbers yet, but we're all dumber for having watched it. Yeah, that's why we're just making fun of it today. I mean, it's it's a complete non-news story, much like Ron DeSantis' entire campaign. And that's why we're going to segue now. I don't know if you guys saw Roseanne Barr, who's, you know, hosted a pretty good podcast of her own. She's got some great guests that essentially come to her house and, like, sit on the couch. They sometimes smoke a little stuff and talk about anything. Had Tucky come by this week. You guys check it out? I did. And you know what? It was very interesting. So they talked about all the normal stuff, but what I thought was 
most interesting was Tucker talking about things like the CIA's conspiracy to kill JFK, talking about how his father bought a house from a CIA agent with cash yep. back in, I think, in the 60s or 70s, how he used to smoke camel no filters when he was writing, how he got a DUI in some South American country while in college and thought that his blue passport that says I'm an American would get him out of it. I like seeing some of this new Tucker stuff that you never saw when he was on this show. I like the handcuffs being off because I think it really humanizes the guy that shows not only is he a really smart political thinker, he's just a dude like you That's and me. It. He's got real life shit happening to him that we've all had happen to us. The Tucker awakening is, is one of the coolest things that I've seen. And I always stress to our listenership, sure. He's going to go on the Nelk boys and he's going to do one-on-one -on -one exclusives with Donald Trump. And he'll go on some major pot. When you find Tucker Carlson and he agrees to go on some basement dwellers podcast where it's Tucker Carlson in his little podcast room and he's all up close to the camera and on the microphone. And then some guy in his garage, who's so nervous that he's interviewing Tucker Carlson. That's where you get the best receipts. Yeah. You hear him talk about making Zen commercials. You hear him talking about like the spiritual awakening he had breaking from the mainstream media, realizing that an overwhelming majority of his life, including all the stuff that, you know, his dad believed in was a complete and total lie and how, you know, day by day, the scales are getting taken off of his eyes. It's wild to see happen. And uh, it's been good for the America first movement because for as much as people like to give him a hard time when you work for Fox News and sticking within the parameters sometimes of, we all know he had guide rails on his show, and, and he'd pretty much say, I'm going to push the limit, let's see how much Fox complains. It was that anywhere between 3 and 5 million people a night he would bring in that allowed him to do whatever he wanted. Now that he's gone, he pretty much does whatever the fuck he wants. It doesn't care what people think about him, and, and he literally says that as well. Jim mentioned some of the good parts. For those who were thinking he was talking about George Santos, that's not the case. He was talking about Tucker Carlson there. <laughs> he did get into the whole Trump thing, how he endorses him now, really appreciates all the policy, the Trump doctrine, and uh, I pulled that clip for us. Let's check it out. What do you think? I certainly support Trump, I'll tell you that, and I can tell you, I mean, I've always agreed with Trump's policies, always, and I lost friends over it, um, but... And I've never really actively supported anybody because it's not my job to actively support people. Right. I watch, you know, right. I like to watch. Um, <laughs> but I'm a voyeur. <laughs> but I became an active Trump supporter when they raided Mar-a-Lago last summer, the summer of 2022. That, that, that's just, that can't stand. No, that can't. And that I was something. agree with Trump on a lot. But even if I disagreed with Trump on a lot, I'd still be a Trump supporter because you cannot allow that. You cannot allow the... You know, the regime, the president of the United States to use the Justice Department to knock the front runner out of the race. You can't do that. No, you can't do that. So it's bigger than Trump. It's bigger than Biden. It's a question of, you know, do you want to live in a free country with a functioning justice system? You know, that's exactly. And right. so I'm voting for Trump. And if they convict him, I will send him the max donations and I will lead protests. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Because, too. and by the way, if I thought that he had committed some real crime, I wouldn't feel that way, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. He and Biden are both found with classified documents at home, along with every other former high-level federal official in history. Yep. But only Trump is indicted? Like, tell me how that works. Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, it, I tell you, one thing that, that comes out in that quote, and it's a throwaway line, when he said, I like to watch, I think that just shows the humor of Tucker Carlson that never came through on his Fox show because he wasn't allowed to do it. Yeah. But again, it comes back to what I was saying before. He's a, just a regular guy, and it's coming out now. And that's why his Twitter gets 300 million views when he posts a new video. Yep. Um, I mean, I know it's just shy of what you guys do when I'm on there of with you. But, you know, 
Um, I like that about him. And I like what he had to say about, about Trump and Trump's policies and that if he's convicted, he's going to be donating and leading protests. I think a lot of them, America first MAGA folks feel the exact same way. No, it's, it's the truth. And, you know, between Tucker and Roseanne, there's just a lot more people who I think they understand what's at stake here. You know, everybody tries to kind of virtue single and play off of it. Oh, like the world's going to end if like there's really the potential when you go to sleep at night. There's a better than average chance a lot more than in recent history that you might not wake up the other day. Not because of any kind of self-inflicted health inquiry. It's because Joe Biden might accidentally sit on the button, you know, and it's one of those things. When you see these Obama holdovers, which make up the entirety of Joe Biden's government, every single one of them is a revenge hire, people that had to step down during the Obama administration, or all the people that used to sweep the floor who are now running the biggest agencies on the planet right now. All they want is revenge, and all they want is Joe Biden not to die so they could stay in power longer because they know once this ride is over, it's over for them. If Donald Trump yes. is back into the White House next year, the receipts that are going to be uncovered on all these people, especially the ones behind the scenes, the Newlands, the Jarretts, the Monacos, the Sullivans, the scumbags from the Obama regime, you know, Susan Rice, John Kerry, all of them, it is going to be exposed. And, and it's going to be, you know, you think the stuff that's happening to President Trump now publicly is bad? Wait till you see how they got to this point with them. That's what's going to be the real telltale right there. Jim, what do you got? Ron, you just you just hit the exact point, which is these guys are all in there for revenge. And what's the one thing they all claim Trump is going to do if he gets reelected? Revenge. Incite revenge. And it goes back to about a month ago, three weeks ago, when Hillary Clinton was on The View and compared him to Trump, or compared him to Hitler, excuse me, and said that um, if he's reelected, our country as we know it will be over. Okay, so let's look at that. Our country as we know it will be over. So we'll have no inflation. We'll go back to $2.50 gas. Uh, the government won't spy on its own people, and we won't um, censor social media to do only the bidding of the government. Yeah, I'd kind of like our country as we know it to be over. So maybe that's a good thing. But the revenge thing is a bunch of bullshit because that's what they're doing right now. And the fact that we're in a situation in the United States of America, a country that is supposed to be the beacon of freedom and hope for the world, where they're prosecuting the leading opposition candidate to the government is absolutely insane. And the fact that the three of us aren't sitting in a jail right now is only through, I'm guessing, the grace of God at this point, because at some point they're going to come for the folks like us who talk about this every day. Yeah, it's the truth, and uh, it's very worrisome. The, the, the perspective of what could happen to us based off the stuff that we've seen happen to the elites, and it's on both sides of the coin. I mean, the same stuff that's happened to Donald Trump is happening to people like New York Mayor Eric Adams right now. You know, he tells Joe Biden to close the borders. There's too many migrants here. And then, they, and then oops, <laughs> what happens to him? <laughs> a bribery scheme. Let's take, seize all of his electronics. And he's like, okay, 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 keep the borders open. Can you give me $4 billion more billion a year to house all the migrants that you literally dumped in the city? Winter's coming and they're sleeping on the streets. Oh, did you say you want more money? Because I have this woman here who said you touched her boobs in 1993, and she said you couldn't do it. And that's what's happening to the to the Democrats now. You know, it's it's one of those things where you look at uh, Senator Menendez in New Jersey. George Santos gets expelled for, you know, spending $12 on OnlyFans and paying for public parking with his campaign money. And Senator Menendez has gold bars from Egypt hanging in his closet in shirt pockets. And this guy's still getting intelligence briefings three days a week. It's wild. 
Hey, it's because he grew up poor and he understood the value of having cash on hand. Mm. Don't blame Menendez for that. It's not his fault. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the world is upside down. And, you know, um, in a related thing, this week in Chicago, the new mayor, Brandon Johnson, saw that came out. He blamed Lori Lightfoot <laughs> and slavery for the fact that Chicago is the shit show that it is today. Yep. Now, not to mention that the former mayor... Uh, Beetlejuice Lightfoot claimed that the reason she lost re-election is because of racism and anti-lesbian sexism, although she was black and a lesbian when she got elected the first time, so I don't know how that works. She blamed that for not being re-elected. Johnson's blaming her and people like you and me because apparently we're still mad about slavery being over, and that's why we have illegal aliens in Chicago and we have crime in Chicago. Right. And I, I, I mean, literally, guys... I went to bed in 2023 and I woke up in 1984 yeah. and I don't know what the hell happened. And if you're going to make your, your case about slavery, I mean, look at what's happening with these migrants that are coming in. They're, they're basically being sold into indentured servitude to pay off these debts that whether or not they're coming in, you know, as a quote unquote migrant and being fed through by uh, customs and border patrol or whoever, they, they still have to pay the the piper on the Mexico side, and that yep. is the coyotes and the cartels. And these people are going into debt for thousands and thousands of dollars, upwards of twenty thousand dollars sometimes. And they're just like, "What? You're just gonna have to work forever to pay that off." It's 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 modern day slavery. I also have to point out the fact that you know Lori Lightfoot, who is a black lesbian, former Chicago mayor, current Harvard professor, shares an office with Brian Stelter. Oh, geez, they share an office. She lost her election to a black gay man and then <laughs> blamed it on anti-lesbianism and racism that she lost the election. Well, it's a good thing she specified that it was lesbianism and not just being gay because that wouldn't have worked. Best timeline ever. No, it's got to be lesbian, and it's black lesbians. The black yeah. lesbians apparently are the worst, and that's why we elected <laughs> her once but then got rid of her a second time. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Guys, wherever you're Somebody's going to clip that one out of context. <laughs> or, or in context, there whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> How dare you. Guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, whatever platform it's on, help us out. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio. Follow the show. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. And then find us on social medias. Twitter, get our true social and Instagram. Steak for breakfast accounts. Follow them. Hit the notification bell. All right, a couple more eye openers for those who haven't heard it. If you're on X, you definitely had. So the man who owns X, Elon Musk, went to the New York Times Deal Book Summit, along with several other politicians, everyone from former Speaker McCarthy and Ryan to Vice President Kamala Harris and friends. Kamala. Even Disney's newly reappointed, formerly fired CEO, Bob Iger, who's trying not to put a girl in it and make it gay. <laughs> Elon Musk was there, and he had a pretty explosive fireside chat i guess you're gonna call it the guy from the squawk box was doing a little bit of interviewing with him and one of the big things that comes up no we talked about it on the show is the cancellation of advertisements from all these major companies mm -hmm. and then you go into look uh okay let's not support disney let's not support coca-cola all these people that are leaving x and then you find out that blackrock and vanguard own them all anyway so it doesn't matter you essentially can have a diet of water and air if you wanted to cancel all the things that are trying to cancel conservatives Elon Musk was asked about this, and the best part about it is you have someone who's historically a liberal, never going to be more than a moderate, but is finally starting to wake up to just how bad things are on this planet. 
not just in the case of censorship, which is something that he's kind of pushed back on. We don't agree with Elon Musk on everything. I mean, he hasn't really done anything that to wow me except look cool with his rocket. So the Cybertruck looks like the original Tomb Raider's boobs. And, you know, <laughs> that's why I like it so much. When you, when you talk about some of the other stuff, like the microchips in your brain, I could really do without it. But... When it comes to me having a Twitter account for almost a full year now without getting nuked, yeah. that I am appreciative for, and the tens of thousands of followers we've lost along the way. He was asked about everybody bailing on him and, and not wanting to advertise on Twitter anymore, and they finally fucked around with somebody that has more money than most people, and here's what he had to say. There's a public perception that, and, and you're clarifying this now, um, but there's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour, if you will. This had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope they stop. You hope? Uh, Don't advertise. (laughs) You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Yes. But say it again, Elon. Fuck yourself. (laughs) Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well, let me ask you then. That's how I feel. (laughs) Don't advertise. How do you think then about the economics of of X? If if part of the underlying model, at least today, and maybe it needs to shift, maybe the answer is it needs to shift away from advertising. Um, if, If you believe that this is the one part of your business where you will be beholden to those who... Uh, have this view. He has no idea what to say. G- what do you do? F-Y. <laughs> G-F-Y. I, I understand, but there's a reality, too. <laughs> I never right? heard that part of the clip. I only got the first yes. part. No, no, it, yes, no, no. I mean, Linda no, Yaccarino's right here, and she's uh, got to sell advertising. Uh, absolutely. So, um, no, no, totally. So, so no, no, actually, what, what this advertising boycott is, uh, is, is going to do, it's, it's going to kill the company. And you think that the company- I, I, but, and the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company, and we will document it in great detail. But there are those advertisers. I imagine are going to say they're going to say we didn't kill the company. Oh yeah, they're going to say tell it to the, tell it to Earth. But they're going to say that they're going to say Elon that you killed the company because you said these things, and that they were inappropriate things, and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform. Right. That's, see, that's and, what and they're going to say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. This guy who reads a teleprompter on lost. Yeah, on MSNBC and MSNBC business just had absolutely he wasn't ready for the show. And no. Elon Musk took that off the rails in 13 seconds and he was like, yeah. then Elon Musk and like, go fuck yourself. Well part of it it's pretty easy to understand. And and you know GFY <laughs> This is a lot bigger than than just the advertisers because Elon Musk does do a lot. He has one of the most, I guess, what would you call it, climate-effective companies ratings-wise in the world. Like, they try to hammer him on stuff, and he's like, no, we're the cleanest of everything. Mm. And it's not something that I really give a shit about, but he likes to point out the hypocritical nature of it. Speaking of hypocritical... I mean, the fact that the left attacks the most successful African-American immigrant to the United States in the history of this country is really pathetic. And I think the left needs to own that, that they are discriminating against this African-American success story. 
And I think it's going to be really funny when X is going to be sponsored by my pillow, my Patriot supply and Patriot mobile, because that's, what's going to end up happening. And guess what? We're not going to leave. We're still going to stay there because it's still the most effective platform to get our opinions out to the most number of people. And, you know, Elon Musk, he, he, he may not be the most politically correct CEO in the world, but damn, I'd love to work for that guy. Mm-hmm. No, it's 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 the truth. It'd be interesting to say the least. And at least, you know, the people that claim they're going to leave X, like they're probably the same people that said they were going to leave the country too. So, well, that's a good yeah. I'm point. still waiting for Cher to delete her account, right? Yeah. So, good, good point that you make, guys, because I've got the clip that kind of sums it up. And in our last one of the segment before we jump in with Matt Couch, let's check it out. Tesla has done more to help the environment than uh, all other companies combined. It would be fair to say that. Therefore, as a leader of the company, I've done more for the environment than everyone else, any single human on Earth. How do you feel about that? No, I, no how do I feel about that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm asking you personally how you feel about that, because this goes, we're talking about power and influence and... I'm and saying, I'm saying what, I, what, what I care about is the, the reality of goodness, not the perception of it. And what I see all over the place is people who care about looking good while doing evil. Fuck them. Okay? Mm. And I think that's a that, that is telling people to go fuck themselves because they don't want to advertise an X is like one thing, but getting into the specifics that this guy not only sees it, but he's navigating through it right now. It, it's like kind of all the things we talked about. Ron DeSantis had an awakening last night that he's never going to be the nominee. Gavin Newsom pointed it out quite perfectly. You see people like Roseanne Barr and Tucker Carlson who are realizing that the America First movement isn't something that you just lead into a show with. It's an actual movement that's setting itself up to to save this country from its own destruction. And then you have Elon Musk, someone who generally, I guess you could assume, is trying to make the world a better place, but is so frustrated with the hypocrisy from top to bottom of everything, from advertisement to, I'm going to look good because I said climate change is going to destroy the planet in like a decade or so, and I'm going to jet set around the planet to tell everybody about it while I eat steak. Mm. And it's one of those things that we live in a time that the fight is now, this is not a time for the week. And you see, listen, I'm sure Elon Musk had more than an awakening when he went over to Israel and got to sit down with Bibi last week and watch all those videos of people getting murdered in ways that you can't even imagine. And he's kind of taken that and harnessed that lightning in a bottle, and he brought it right to the uh, fake New York Times deal book summit and, and dropped some pretty fire commentary there. So, Jim, we're getting ready to wrap with you here. We got Matt Couch coming in just a second. You've always got so much great stuff going on. If you're not appearing on OAN, you're dropping fire you know, op-eds all over the place, and you're joining us on our show here. We're going to be definitely having you back at some point in the near future soon, but tell everybody where they can check you out. Hey, I'll be on Tipping Point on OAN tonight, uh, bringing the heat against the Biden regime, against the Irish government, and against the mayor of Chicago. So join me for the Everything is Stupid segment tonight on Kara McKinney's Tipping Point on OAN. Uh, I just had an op-ed in Fox News that was that was up last week, and I've got a couple more in the works that are being done. But before I go, guys, I'd like to do one thing. I don't always do this, but I'd like to give a shout out to my daughter, Allison. Uh, she was blessed to be able to go to Hawaii uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday. And instead of spending the entire week laying by the pool drinking pina coladas, she spent three days volunteering, making food bags and uh, sanitation kits for the displaced people of Maui. Nice. And I just want to say, hey, Pumpkin, I'm really proud of you. You are the young woman I hoped you'd be when you were born. That's absolutely fantastic, Jim, as it always is when you join us here on the show. This is the political and economic commentator, supply chain expert, 
one of our great friends. Mr. Jim Nels, thanks for coming on, and have a fantastic weekend. You guys do the same. Thank you so much for having me. It's an unpleasant truth that 42% of Americans are obese and 79% of Americans are overweight. That's practically one in every two Americans living day to day with every minute counting down to the end of an unhealthy existence. It's time to change that and make Americans healthy again. You've probably heard about weight loss injections that can help you get back into that right mindset and help curb those cravings so you can focus on what's really important. New Hope Wellness has changed thousands of lives and maybe it can change yours too. They are American family owned and operated with the goal of saving lives. With convenient telehealth options, you can speak to a licensed professional from the comfort of your own home, and all products are delivered discreetly to your front door. Visit newhopewellness.com forward slash state and start your journey to a better you. That's newhopewellness.com forward slash state to get your free consultation and 100 bucks off your first order. 1-800-527-2150. Make America healthy again. All right, joining us next on the show today, this Big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Really excited about this guest. He's an investigator, journalist, political analyst, one of our great friends, making his Steak for Breakfast debut, Mr. Matt Couch. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. How are you? Oh, better now that you're here. It's been a long time coming. I mean, we've talked back and forth for a couple of years on social media. have gotten close over the last year. I mean, we've got so many great close friends here, you know, everyone from, from Crypto and, and Beard Vet and everybody in between. It seems like all the people that have really been fighting at the forefront of America First for the last nearly a decade now are all coming together knowing that in just a, a few short weeks we're going to be you know, heading into the election year that we need to get this country back on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're, you're starting to see the chess pieces come into play on you know, who's, a, who's, a, who's a doer and who's a talker, if that makes sense. And uh, there's very few doers. You guys are doers, but there's a lot of talkers out there, and we've got to get a lot more doers in this movement to uh, to win in 24. Now, you know, before we get into any of the issues, there's some definite things I, I want to talk to you about, especially some stuff that you've worked on recently that I think is amazing. We want to get our listenership, maybe those who aren't familiar with you, Matt, just a little bit of your backstory. Recently, what you do, you've gone through some really big health challenges this year, but you're on the, the mend and the rebound right now. You're obviously in good spirits and doing a lot of media again. That's why we were very excited to get you in here today. Let our listenership know a little bit about the great work that you do. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I got involved. I was in sports talk for years on Sirius XM, ESPN. I was a morning show host and uh, did that five days a week, three hours a day. You know, it was, uh, it, it was, you know, it's a grind. You know, we were doing a live show three hours a day, five days a week. And, uh, and I was always had a job and I would do the media in the morning and then go do my day job. And I never wanted to get into politics, was always a staunch conservative. And then uh, this uh, idiot wearing pantsuits said she was going to be president. <laughs> and um, and this guy came down the escalator, and I was like, you know what? This is my guy. This is my horse. Uh, I live in Arkansas, born and raised. Everybody that lives here knows somebody who knows someone who was killed by the Clintons. And so, uh, or allegedly killed, you know, or allegedly mysteriously suicided. You know, 83 suicides. I don't know anyone who knows 83 people who've had, who've committed suicide. Uh, and so... I got involved in politics, and one of my good friends was a private investigator named Bill Pierce, uh, been a PI for 30 years in multiple states, uh, and his mentor was behind the Clinton Chronicles. And so we we, we saw this uh, Seth Rich thing, uh, but on top of that, we were investigating Fast and Furious as well at the time uh, with with the Eric Holder situation, and then and then it rolled into the Vegas shooting. Mindy Robinson, Laura Loomer, and I, we got involved in that heavily, the three of us together. It's it's been a ride, guys. It's been a complete crazy ride. I can't believe this is my life. It seems surreal, uh, but the whole Seth Rich thing just nothing added up with you know Assange coming out on a Dutch TV program, offered a twenty thousand dollar reward. Uh, you know they'd never done that before. The host says, "Well, why make the statement if that if he's not your source?" 
And we were like, okay, there's something to this. And so we just kept peeling the onion and the layer back. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I was, they tried to sue me into the stone age. So there's things I can and can't talk about. And, um, it, it's been, it's been a ride, but they, you know, that cost me my marriage. They cost me my health. They cost me a six figure job. And, uh, I prayed about it. You know, God said, Hey, keep going. Um, and then, you know, one of the, you know, we, one of the biggest things was when, uh, you know, president Trump quote tweeted me back in the day before we were both banned. And he said, <laughs> he said, Matt, you're on the right track. Keep going when he was the president of the United States. And so that was enough, you know, when you, when you get down, you have days like that, Roan, and, and, and no, you get, you get, you get down and you have days like that, that you go, okay, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to sling him over the shoulder and I'm going to keep going because the president of the United States just told me to. No, it's, it's, listen, we've been on a little bit of a roller coaster. You, you're on like rolling thunder out there. Just <laughs> the old rickety wooden one that everybody still goes on. And it, and it just got the best turns, the best dips, maybe a loop-de-loop. But I'm telling you what, the work that you've done and the stuff that you've uncovered, it's just absolutely fantastic. And the transition you made from the sports world, I mean, listen, there's like two different directions you can go. You, obviously awesome, Super America first. You realize what's best for the country. And then Clay Travis, someone who recently blocked me on social media because I was a little little critical of his commentary on him uh, saying Ron, Ron DeSantis won the debate last night. Really? Yeah. So, listen, I told him, you want to know what the block – uh, message was I said you're a disgrace to the microphone you inherited because you know him and Buck inherited uh, Rush Limbaugh's show. W- what can you say? I mean, there's people that know Matt. You've got a family, you've got children. You see the world that we're currently living in, and what the perspective is if we don't fix things at the ballot box by next year. And, and I think the real warriors who understand that and are willing to put it all on the line are at the front lines of this fight. And, and you're right here along with us. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't know what debate they were watching. I didn't watch it fully. I had my kids. And so I was, you know, doing Christmas wrapping and, and real manly stuff, you know, watching Christmas movies, things like that with my daughters. But I've watched clips throughout the morning and I don't know what the DeSantis crowd thinks that they won. Newsom's a better salesman. He's slicker. He, yeah, he's telling lies, but he actually looks believable. DeSantis with his nervous laugh, it looks, oh. you can tell he wasn't telling the truth. Uh, you can tell he was nervous. Uh, this is a guy that, uh, I used to have a lot of respect for, and it, it's just disheartening to see um, they're ter- they're tearing the movement apart. If, if I was down forty or fifty points in every major national poll, uh, I would literally every one of these clowns. And, I, and I'm not trying to be any, but I, I like Vivek a little bit. I like what he says, but he's kind of a polished conservative Obama. Sure. And uh, and you look at Vivek, you look at uh, Nikki Haley, you Oof. look at uh, you know DeSantis. Every one of these clowns should immediately step down endorse Trump. If they really cared about the party, really cared about the country, that would have happened three months ago when you look at these numbers in the polls. They don't care about the country. They care about power and uh, and and clout and money, and, and it shows. And, and I'll yield back on that, gentlemen. No, it's the truth. And, you know, when you just look at the way that this is all shaped up, I mean, there's rumors coming out today that Paul Ryan's now courting Nikki Haley and everybody's <laughs> ditching Ron DeSantis. I mean, they did that no, this morning they were at a restaurant in Georgia, right? Ron DeSantis came in and he spoke with that uh, the one guy, Lawrence. And, and you know, they have a little talk. Ron DeSantis says how he won the debate. Ron DeSantis leaves. They cut to a commercial. They come back and they're like, all right, now that everybody's heard Ron DeSantis. Who feels like Nikki Haley is going to win the Republican primary? Two hands go up. Vivek Ramaswamy, one hand goes up. Ron DeSantis, one hand goes up. The place is packed, wall to wall. <laughs> Donald Trump. The entire restaurant goes up. Nice. And it's just like, come on, man. This is Battleground, Georgia. This is a place where Ron DeSantis, I mean, adjacent you, you mean to Florida. You mean Ron DeSantis didn't, didn't sway the whole crowd by going, 
and I will fight for you. In the free state of Florida. In the free state of Florida. Oh, he has to get up to the microphone to make his voice heard. Yeehaw. But no, it, it, it's crazy. And, and, you know, you're right. These people should have, you know, dropped out, endorsed, and consolidated their funds and their resources and their meager anywhere between 1% and 5% nationally. And, I mean, you, you mentioned how bad Ron DeSantis is losing. It's even including in his home state of Florida where he's down anywhere between 35 to over 40 points and depending on the poll that comes out. And uh, we'll, we'll have to see moving forward. It kind of is working out the way I planned. I said Tim Scott was going to come out. He'd be out early. He'd either endorse Nikki Haley to consolidate South Carolina to try and get some movement on Trump or not endorse at all. And then Nikki Haley and, and Ron DeSantis would eat each other <laughs> while Vivek kind of, you know, they've pushed him out. They've tried to make a joke of him everywhere. Go. It's kind of a shame because, you know, he does have some some good populist points, but he's really unprepared in the foreign policy. And the fact of the matter is next year we, we can't have a president with training wheels. I mean, if the world looked exactly the same when Donald Trump left office that it does today, I'm sure a lot more people would be open to maybe other candidates. That'd be their choice, not mine, probably not Matt's, I know not Noah's, but it doesn't. The yep. world is like a pube away from complete <laughs> nuclear eradication on any day of the week. I mean, Joe Biden said he had a button that could nuke everything. Uh, you know, to a bunch of construction workers the other day. I think that's his life alert. Oh, gosh. And, and I mean, you know, we all get it and we see it. But, uh, you know, moving forward, we're going to have to see how fast we can get this party consolidated and moving on the right track. I mean, as Donald Trump continues to pick up the endorsements, it does put pressure on the other candidates. We'll just have to see how it looks from there. Matt, one of the things I definitely need to get in here and talk to you about today, what we've got you on the show is the recent developments with all the stuff involving Seth Rich. You mentioned it at the top of some of the things you've worked on over the years, but you've actually seen some legal movement on this lately. And I think if anybody in our listenership hasn't heard this yet, it's going to blow their minds. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been uh, filing lawsuits. The FBI, the, what, the interesting thing is, you know, they always kept saying, we had sources that were telling us the FBI was involved, the CART division, things of that in D.C. Uh, and then you would have people go, oh, that doesn't exist. And then you find out that agency or that department exists, of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, always. And so they were like, oh, we never investigated the Seth Rich murder. We never took possession of the laptop. We don't know what you're talking about. So Tom Fitton and Judicial Watch, they filed a FOIA request. And it had nothing to do with the Seth Rich case. It was on some other case. And they got hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents. The, some of the investigators on my team, you know, PIs, former homicide detectives, you know, military intelligence guys, we have a group of about 12 of us that have just, you know, killed ourselves over the last six and a half years on this case, trying to get to get to the truth. Uh, and we start peeling the, the onion back of that. And we find documents in there between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page mm. discussing Seth Rich and how they're going to squash exact words in the email and FBI communications, FBI emails, they're going to squash the Seth Rich investigation. And so we're like, well, wait a minute. Well, hell, here, here, there's proof right here that they were involved. They're talking about it, the top brass. So we start filing. Ty Clevenger, Eden Quayton, my two amazing attorneys, they they start filing them for you know FOIA requests and lawsuits. And next thing you know, they go from, oh, well, we've got 20,000 pages we found of documentation. When they had zero and they didn't investigate it, now it's up to, I think it's fi almost 500,000 pages of documents relating to Seth Rich. On top of that, they do have the laptop. They do have his work laptop. They have the tape and DVD drives. They've got it all. Uh, the federal judge in Texas, East Texas, uh, we're smart enough to quit suing in the District of Columbia. If you're a conservative out there, stop suing in D.C. Go to federal courts in conservative states. Yep. Stop doing that. You're wasting your time. You're wasting everyone's time. And uh, and so the judge has ordered them they, uh, this week. Uh, they got 14 days to give up their disclosure on when they're going to release the information. But you're going to love this. So the judge is going to be able to look at the information, but they're not going to let my counsel look at the information. Of course. <laughs> so the judge will make the decision on if it's relevant or not or if it can be released. 
And you guys know how this game is played. I, I'm confident it'll be the NSA, CIA, national security. Uh, can't show up due to national security. It'll be something like that. And that'll be on something that supposedly, before all this legal process started, didn't exist. So it, went, it went from there is no such thing <laughs> to this is a threat to national security if we release it. <laughs> Quite typical, but again, another receipt and, and a feather in the cap for you, Matt. Last thing I want to touch with you on, so important, we're entering into the holiday season. Everybody's going to be looking to get great gifts for their family. You've got merch, and we want to help support you. So tell our listenership what you got going on. Absolutely. I've got an apparel brand that I started a little, I guess it's going on almost three, be three years in February called faithandfreedoms.com. It's faith, the letter N, freedoms.com. I'll tell you how I started real quick. If I've got a second, I'll make it real fast. I had a Teespring store that I was using to support my travel and investigations. And when I was sitting third row at the ellipse in front of the president, Teespring, the same week after that, banned my store and froze like $14,000 of our assets uh, because they claimed that our merchandise led to actual violence in the street <laughs> on January 6th. So we started our own store, uh, and uh, it's faithandfreedoms.com. We've got everything in there from Die Hard as a Christmas movie merchandise to uh, 0% liberal shirts we just put up, and it's, it's it's the best way that I can support myself and my team. Well, we'll, we'll be live linking that and everything else you got going on in the show description today. Matt, for anyone that's not following you, where can they check you out? You can find me on all social media platforms at Real Matt Couch, except on Instagram because Zuckerberg loves me so much. I'm at Sofa on the Hill, uh, and the guy with the fake mustache uh, is me. He, he did. Remember we used to – so this is our 12th X account, first since Elon's taken over. But on <laughs> on Twitter, we used to get banned so many times that Noah, instead of steak for breakfast, it was not steak for breakfast, and he had like a little mustache, and he, <laughs> Noah put a government cheese in where the, where the steak was. And, of course, it went like two weeks and got banned. <laughs> but, but that's just the way it is. I mean – Man, we're all fighting out here. Matt, you're right at the tip of the spear, and uh, we love having you on the show today. This is the political analyst, journalist, investigator, now great friend of Steak for Breakfast, Mr. Matt Couch. Thanks for coming on the show. Have a great weekend. You too, guys. Honored to be here. Thanks for all you both do. The Bronx is the bluest of New York City's boroughs and the only borough with the Hispanic majority. President Biden got 83% of the vote here in 2020. But now the Biden campaign is seeing polls coming out saying President Trump is gaining traction with voters of color, even younger voters. So I came to the Bronx to put a face on the numbers and I was shocked by what I heard on the streets. Do you think that President Biden is doing a good job with the economy? No, he's not doing nothing yeah, to support nobody. Is he doing a good job? Yes or no? No, no. I, I can see we're all going to be the streets homeless. Biden and his press secretary said that prices are going down. Is that your experience or is that not true? No, that is definitely not true. Prices are definitely going up. I used to go across the streets to Fordham to go get me a meal. I can't even get me a meal because I missed $20. <laughs> Minority communities, we're not seeing the improvement. Uh, I, I, there's inflation with everything, food, gas, insurance prices. I mean, you name it. Bidenomics is not working. It's, it's just a complete mess. It's a disaster, especially here in New York City. We're feeling it very hard. You could say anything to Biden right now who says that the economy is improving, especially in black and brown communities. What would you say to him? That's lies. I believe that's lies. Heavy lies on that, Bing for bong. sure. Do you think that somebody else besides Biden should be president? Yes, Next of course. Time? Of course. Uh, bring back Trump. We'll leave it there. Yeah, bring back Trump. Mm-hmm. Not wrong there. So that's the word on the street in the bluest borough of NYC, the Bronx. Mm. I like how Newsmax rolled out their beat, <laughs> their roving reporter with the thick accent. Yeah. Hey, yo. You think Joe Biden sucks or what? Yeah, it's fucking this guy. Hey, let's not make fun of Italian people because I am 100%. <laughs> okay. I apologize. 
forget about it. <laughs> Don't censure me. Hey, I do have to go back and touch on one thing, and I think it's definitely worth touching. It was awesome sitting down with Matt Couch for the first time, huh? Yeah. Would you got? Would you believe hearing all the stuff that he's doing and seeing how energetic he looked in our interview, Noah, that that guy lost a leg a couple weeks ago? Yeah, what happened? Just ran into some health problems, and long story short, infection got out of control, and here we are. Oof. Hey, he's already got the little Terminator thing going, and listen, I've watched Matt Couch for a long time and followed him for even longer. The guy's heart's bigger than any other part of his body, and when you talk about the absolute warriors at the front of America first, I can't say enough good things about the guy. I'm glad we're like physically connected now. We text. Mm-hmm. We're in group chats. We do Twitter spaces together sometimes if he's in. He lets me come up on the stage, and, and, and we'll bullshit. It's just... You're seeing the reels come out. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about the alternative. If I lost a leg, I would have a shotgun leg. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Like the pirate shotgun peg leg thing. Yeah. I like that. I'll allow it. But but as a lot of the people who live in the Bronx so nicely framed it, they're not happy with Joe Biden and all the stuff that he's got going on. I'm pretty sure he has a reasonable excuse for why the economy isn't where it is or where a lot of Americans want it to be. Let's check in with the 46th president of the United States. This is Nick. Hey, Nick. This is uh, Nick Reality. Now look, my, my Marine carries that. It has a code to blow up the world. That doesn't, this is not nuclear weapons, is it? All right, okay. He's against the camera. No. What the fuck? His Marines have a code to blow up the world. That's real. That's probably the most truthful thing he's ever said. Oh because gosh. anything he does on on that particular avenue of geopolitical choices, <laughs> it is, ends the world. I can't with him sometimes. No, it's it. ridiculous. For anyone that doesn't think. For anybody that's still championing this guy, <sighs> go fuck yourself. Yeah. To quote Mr. Musk. The, the apparatus no. that he has set up around him will be talked about for hundreds of years to come. It will be. Mm-hmm. It's literally weekend at Bernie's. It, the the way that history is going to go and look back on this entire period of time, and mm-hmm. I know I've said this 50 times, unless by some god-awful way that, you know, the, the history writers are the bad guys <laughs> and they just whitewash everything. You mean like the 1619 Project? Ugh. Hey, listen, maybe it's the reason why aliens don't pay us any attention. We'll be able to ask Tim Burchett on December 12th. Yeah, just some flybys, that's it. But, but you know, sticking in this thread of what's going on on the campaign trail outside the immediate orbit of Donald Trump are all the pretenders, the fakers, the haters, and losers who just can't even... Can't stand, even. Stand, yeah, period. Yeah. Why even... Just can't even. Noah, you know what it's like when you invite in the Trump smoke, when you say something that you know is going to get back to 45 and you will be welcomed with now true social posts, meme videos, and things of that nature. Yeah, it's a bad idea. The soon-to-be former First Lady of Florida (laughs) jumped on a news program this week and decided to talk shit about Donald Trump. Think I'm kidding? Let's hear Eddie Munster. Unfortunately, you don't have the former president that's stepping up there because 
Uh, in the meantime, he tries to counter-program. You've got a chairman of the GOP that is allowing him to do these things. It's almost as if the the Republican Party doesn't have the wheels on. Instead of the party running things, it's an individual running the party. Well, I tell you, I think it's sad because, and I've heard this from a lot of folks across the state of Iowa and beyond. No, you haven't. They want him to make the case. No one is anointed. No one is given anything in life. You have to go out and earn it. And that is one of the reasons why Ron DeSantis has done and will do 99 counties. We haven't had a garrison button yet today. As of Saturday. Mm. But listen, you have a record. Let's run on it. Let's talk about why the border didn't get built. Why didn't you have Mexico pay for it? Because you could have. You could have put a fee on the remittances coming from the United States to Mexico to build the border wall. When you said, you know, we want to try to hold Hillary Clinton accountable for what she did with her server, but then afterwards said, well, I didn't really want to do it because, you know, it was good to say in the campaign, but now she's beautiful, Hillary. Well, that gave the deep state and the swamp all kinds of momentum to continue to grow. You look at the $8 trillion that was spent under his watch in his four years, which is almost as much as Obama spent over the entire term that he was in office. There's some real issues that people want to talk about and also what is your vision for the future? What are you going to do on day one? Because I'll tell you, people feel like and are having a really tough time with this economy, with the inflation and the fact that they feel they can't get the American dream or the border is just porous and wide open. Fentanyl is coming across. There's child sex trafficking. I mean, there's zero accountability about who's coming into this country. And we need somebody, like I said, with backbone and strength on day one who gets into office shoots nails and they know what they're going to do with the fighting spirit and you have to make that case and so we're doing it and i'll tell you doug we're seeing great momentum and we're excited about winning iowa because obviously your great governor has come on in support of us which she is a powerhouse and she's awesome bob vanderplatz we also have more than a thousand precinct captains and you know this better than anybody you have to have organization on caucus night to give you perspective ted cruz won the 2016 caucus with having a little more than 70 precinct captains, we have more than a thousand, and we have more local endorsements from state legislators than all the other candidates. I'd give her the hook too. Yeah, yeah. F- f- wrap it up, lady. She sounds like a peach, huh? Mm. Oh, there fuck, you go, fucking bitch. Yeah, you know, fuck you. Mm. I hate you. I agree, Tucky. Mm-hmm. Listen, when the shit starts hitting the fan, and Donald Trump starts absolutely nuking her, I don't want to fucking hear it. Oh. Stay away from the wives. Oh, don't make fun of the kids. Go fuck off. These people have no rules. They have no class. The DeSantis... Did anybody hold any punches when they were making fun of Trump's wife or Trump's kids? Hey, for everyone that's been saying, where's Melania for the past six months, she sure fucking showed out at uh, Nixon's wife's funeral the other day, huh? I didn't catch that one. Well, she looked amazing. Oh, nice. And, you know... Oh, is that the one where uh, she was she was walking and everybody was just like, yeah, my the hate, fucking dagger eyes at her, my hating ass bitches post. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that with Big Mike and yeah. and yeah. Mrs. Bush and beautiful Hillary, <laughs> beautiful Hillary. I do have some bad news though, asshole. Thank you. So you know how deaths come in three. Yep. So we we lost Mrs. Nixon earlier mm-hmm. this week. Yep. Um, you saw Henry Kissinger. Mm-hmm. who a lot of people think was a good secretary of whatever he did, but also opened up the borders across the entire world and pretty much brought a fourth of the people who live in Africa and the Middle East to Europe, ruining it essentially forever. He apologized for that a couple weeks ago. We played the clip on the show. I was very sad to see today, thinking that it might be time 
for old George Soros to hit the Rainbow Road to see that former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor passed away last night in her sleep at the age of 93. Oh, wow. So now that we have three, Mrs. Nixon, Kissinger, and O'Day O'Connor. So we're so Soros, we're stuck with him. Yeah, we are stuck with him still. The old eye flaps. Mm-hmm. Mm. Moving on here. Yeah. Don Jr., in probably a preamble to what his father's going to be dishing out to the DeSantis family, had a little commentary on not only previewing Meatball Ron's spectacle with Gavin Newsom last night, but some of the things Casey DeSantis had to say. Let's check it out. And listen, they, they want the power, right? They, they, wa- they wanted it with DeSantis. They gave him billions of dollars over. The, you know, that was all you know, pilfered by his super PACs and blown by the worst social media programming in the world. Because, you know, eventually, Eric, you have to be the guy with the microphone. And once you see Ron DeSantis in long form, you realize he's not your guy. <laughs> so the next one is Nikki Haley. The problem is they fear Donald Trump because he, they understand that Donald Trump will do what's right for the American people, not what's right for Wall Street billionaires and executives like Jamie Dimon, they want someone who answers to them. They want someone that has no choice but to answer to them because their entire political existence is due to them and their money. So they're desperate to stop that. You've seen that. That's the uni party all over again. Mm. They don't care if it's this or that. They want the power and they control. They see that over at Fox News. They gave Ron DeSantis the perpetual lap dance for two years. Mm. They realize he's not the guy. So now they're going to Nikki Haley because they want someone that when they call, whether Mm. it's good for the American people or not, if it serves their agenda, they ask, how high would you like me to jump uh, Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, Paul Ryan, the board, whatever it may be. It's not about the American people. And the faster the American people understand that the quote unquote conservatives, even the conservatives out there from the billionaire class, don't actually have anything to do with their best interest, the the faster and better we'll be off uh, going forward as an America first movement. Don, do you think? No, no. Eric Bowling, supporter of Ron DeSantis. We're not going to let you Mm -hmm. ask him a question. Rob. Dysfunction, high heels, shit show, whatever you want to call it. You know, I was so moved by Casey DeSantis making up shit about Donald Trump, the already debunked border whatever. Tom Homan nuked that out, and we read the official post from the THS website all the time that shows over 500 miles of wall. Yeah, there's a plaque. It was built over Donald Trump. The plaque comm- commemorates 462 miles completed. Where's the plaque? Somewhere in Arizona. Yeah. And... We, we do have to look into these poll numbers. Who does a better job as president? Joe Biden versus Donald Trump head-to-head. Jeez. This is from YouGov, America, and The Economist. Donald Trump, 51%. Joe Biden, 41 Pretty simple equation there. This is another good one. I, I thought that... So, National Poll, PPI Org, YouGov. This came out last week. Which president over the past 30 years has done more... For the average working families. Ready for this one? Uh-huh. Should I go top to bottom or bottom to top? Um, you pick. 6% George Bush. 12% Joe Biden. 14% William Clinton. 25% Barack Hussein Obama. 44% Donald Trump. Yeah. Mm. No surprise there. I'm actually getting a little bit surprised at some of these numbers. 2024 Republican national primary. Donald Trump is enjoying his biggest lead ever. 68% over Ron DeSantis at nine. Nikki Haley at seven. Ramaswamy at four. Christy Bergham one. I think I got one more. Here it is. 
Minnesota 2024, President Trump holds a 43-point lead for the Republican nomination. The head-to-head matchup with Joe Biden, not including additional candidates, is within the margin of error. But in the Republican primary, Trump 60, DeSantis 17, Haley 12, Ramaswamy 4, Christie 1, Bergam 1. The writing's on the wall. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Except, according to Don Jr., a lot of the people on the board, the corporate execs, they don't want to hand over the keys to the Oval Office again to Donald Trump. They're going to do whatever they can. And we've been telling you, every single week for the last three weeks, we've been putting in little segments here, either on the campaign trail or how the left and right are coming together to ramp up the rhetoric against Donald Trump and MAGA because they see the legal angle outside of the January 6th case right now is pretty much all falling apart and doesn't really hold any water. Mm -mm. Again, at this New York Times book convention, whatever, former Speaker of the House, one of the young guns, Paul Ryan, was weighing in on the Republican primary and alluding to all the other choices that he considers viable candidates outside of Donald Trump. Again, speaking negatively about the president. Let's hear him. About Joe Biden. About Joe Biden and about President Trump, whether he could, about President Biden or President Trump, whether either. Yeah, I mean, look, Kevin's unrestrained now because he's not Speaker of the House. You're not Speaker of the House. Yeah, so you can, when you're Speaker, you have to, you have to mind your members and their political fortunes. And so you have to be careful about what you say so you don't screw up your members. Yeah, that's real easy with this caucus. So so Kevin is a little less restrained. Look, I, I, I. I've known Joe Biden for many years. I've personally liked the man, but I haven't spoken to him personally, you know, for a couple of years. So I can't say he's in serious cognitive decline. He appears to be. We live in a visual age. We live in a I know, that's age. what I was saying when Kamala and so Harris if you just look at him and you know, listen it's on to tape. his speech, he, he seems yeah. like he's in decline. On so tape. I, think that, I think he's very You don't very need anecdotes candidate. about what he's like at meetings that you're attending. It, it, it's all that's on right. camera. That's, that's, my, that's my point. That's my point. What, people will then say, okay, Donald Trump is only a few years younger. Is people age at different rates. Look, I, I don't want to sound like I'm defending Trump, but I think he's aging better than, 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 than Joe Biden is. Yeah, yeah. My Mon- point is Trump is so toxic. My point is... What I don't want to do is blow another presidency. And I think Trump would blow a presidency for us. Not only that, well, he'll give us ticket track. He'll cost us seats again, like he did in 20 and 22. And in 18, he'll cost us seats in the House. He'll cost us seats in the Senate. I think we win the Senate no matter what because the map is so good for us. But I think we'll do better than if we have a a DeSantis or a Haley or a Christie as our nominee. Yeah, no. You like that one? Isn't he just an absolute fucking sweetheart? who's got his best intentions for not himself or anything else, but for the country. Yeah. The cognitive decline thing is, I mean, it's a valid point because I just saw a video of Joe Biden walking. He's wearing like a blue sweater or something like that. And he's got his like, looks like Velcro freaking Keds on or something. Oh, he doesn't have his, his double strap razors on. No, I don't know what they were. It's mm. just, they look like very comfortable yeah. shoes. You could run all day in shoes like that. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you put side by side of Trump walking anywhere mm-hmm. and Biden shuffling literally like he should have a walker in front of him. While he's holding on to his wife's arm. Well, no, he was actually walking completely solo in this video that I saw. But is that from the door to the podium? No, it was, well, was it was say- like he he had he had a, a coffee in his hand and he was walking on what look what looked like uneven bricks. And there was a Secret Service guy with like maybe the fake hands mm-hmm. on his jacket. But somebody's like. Mr. President, how are you doing today? And he's just like, there was one where he walks from like a room outside to a podium and all the memes were like, I saw one that I thought was really funny. It's like 
me coming home from the bar at 4 a.m. and yeah. walking from the front door directly yeah. to the refrigerator. Yeah. And it's just like him standing like Mr. Burns and just shuffling real quick just to the podium. Beeline. So it was revealed this morning from a DC insider that spotted during a flight from Canada to DC earlier this week on Tuesday, former Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, who was traveling to that event at the time was attempting to persuade Representative Mike Gallagher, Republican from Wisconsin, via text messages to endorse, guess who? Not Meatball DeSantis, but Nikki Haley. Good old Nimrada herself. Nimrod? Isn't it so funny that Nikki Haley doesn't even use her real name and she wants to dox everybody on the internet? Why doesn't she use her real name? I don't know, because it's Nimrada. I mean, there's a lot of mileage with that one. Mm Mm-hmm. Speaker Ryan wrote, I think it's time for a guy like you to endorse. Talking about Nikki Haley, her foreign policy slash worldviews tracks closest to yours. She brings the most excitement. I like Ron DeSantis, but I don't think he is the growth stock Nikki Haley is. Just following up for our talk in September's, semicolon, go Packers. Hmm. I don't know what that means. I mean, I know it's the football team. I want to make a dirty joke, but I'm all out of them today. Because we've got constitutional attorney and the head of the NCLU, John Pierce, coming in just a second. But in our last audio clip of the week, Noah, there's a lot of noise this week up on Capitol Hill. Yeah. This one went under the radar, probably even to you. Alejandro, Ali, Mm -hmm. Mayorkas. Short shorts. Acknowledges that now there are tens of millions of people that we don't know about all over this country. Really? And in addition to this being Donald Trump and Congress's fault. That's not going to be on the news much, right? There's only one thing that can solve this problem outside of comprehensive immigration reform. More Mayorkas. We called this two years ago. Yeah. You had the Save America plan, the American Rescue Act. You had the Inflation Non-Reduction Act. Mm -hmm. And I always said there would be three huge pieces of legislation. And this one would be the crown jewel of Joe Biden's presidency. It is total and unabated. Amnesty. Oh, yeah. Alejandro Mayorkas finally admitted that's what they're working on for next year. Let's hear it. It also doesn't address the other sort of elephant in the room, which is dealing with the undocumented uh, immigrants who are already here in the nation. And I know it's been a political football as they're trying to figure out the best way to address that. But I'm going to ask you, what is the best way to address that from your perspective? The answer is quite clear and quite straightforward, and we've been waiting for it for about 30 years. And that is to fix a system that everyone agrees is fundamentally broken, and we need congressional action, both for uh, the lawful pathways uh, that really need to be more robust in statute, and for the 12 million people who are here in the United States who have been contributing so fundamentally to our country's well-being. There are neighbors, our our friends, our fellow congregants, uh, they provide oh, our, our frontline workers. Uh, we need to do something, and I, I am hopeful and remain hopeful that Congress will do it. The president, on his first day in office, mm-hmm. presented Congress with a proposal. It's been a long time coming. Robust. I couldn't find a post that shared that audio clip that got over 3,000 views. Oh, that- it's totally... If you're talking about the Secretary of Homeland Security, who everybody fucking hates, the guy belongs in a dungeon, talking about giving amnesty to, at the very minimum, 12 million illegal aliens already here in the country. And the ones that just got here, too, probably are going to be in that umbrella. 
absolutely. I've been holding on to that one all week. I've been wanting to share it, but I said, you want to know what? No one's talking about this. Everyone's talking about George Santos's fucking eyeliner and all, you know, everybody's mad at Mike Johnson because he was again. Well, how is his eyeliner? It was good. It's always on point. Yeah. The guy's got the most moisturized skin on Capitol Hill. <laughs> So, you know, when everybody was shitting on this week, I was just shit posting left and right. I was like, <laughs> screenshot picture of George Santos. The bitches wish they would have skin as moisturized <laughs> as George Santos. I didn't even care. Doesn't but it's, matter. It's, again, people are being critical of Mike Johnson for letting this happen. What is letting this happen? Congress is a vote-based system. There are 434 members present today. If an overwhelming majority votes for something and Mike Johnson doesn't because he doesn't believe it's principled or legitimate... What else do you fucking want from the guy? Yeah. You think he's going to go and whip 200 House Republicans or some of the Democrats to vote to save George Santos in Congress? It's not the way it works. We can't close the border. We can't impeach Mayorkas. We can't impeach Joe Biden. What made you think this was going to be any different? So as we're getting ready to wrap here and, and jump in with John Pierce to round out the show, I just give you guys all a healthy reminder. Continue to track everything that's going on. Heavily scrutinize everything. And all we can continue to do is bring you the commentary on it every Tuesday and Friday. Again, we're getting ready to jump in with the NCLU's John Pierce. But before we do, one last check-in with one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family, has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're gonna get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you need a promo code steak here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He is the man behind the National Constitutional Law Union, one of our great friends. Looking to sit down with attorney John Pierce. Welcome back to the show. Great to be here, as always. Thank you so much. Oof. I mean, uh, it's been a pretty wild week. Just in the news in general, you got the stuff that's going on with you know Israel and Hamas. Hostilities have resumed. Ukraine looks like they're getting ready to surrender at some point in the near future. And then domestically, if they're not fist fighting up on Capitol Hill, they're expelling their own members in the majority of the Republican House. John, I know, you know, you know what the inside of a courtroom looks like. You know, cases all the way from criminal defendant, probably all the way down to defamation and everything in between. You saw how this stuff went down with Congressman George Santos today. He was expelled from the Republican House, which means he is removed from Congress effective immediately. Uh, this comes on the back end of an ethics investigation, but not after his court has resolved or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? It, it's one of those things where George Santos still has a process that needs to play out legally. He still has charges that he's either going to be you know, convicted of or beat. And they've already ruled to remove him as a congressman. Now, as a lawyer, watching this whole thing unfold, the way, you know, you saw everybody speak on the House floor, Matt Gates defending him, Max Miller condemning him, and then what happened today. How does this look like for you in regards to due process or lack thereof that George Santos either got or did not? Yeah, so, you know, first and foremost, I mean, the whole thing just looks like a circus, um, <laughs> you know, to me, and I'm sure to You made to it the simple. Yeah, that's that stipulated, I'm sure. Um, so, you know, I, I 
I think that largely this is going to have to be really uh, a political exercise in terms of, um, uh, you know, ultimately uh, former congressman, I suppose now, uh, Santos uh, needs to go through to, um, you know, sort of have things set right. I mean, under the Constitution, the, the House does does, in fact, itself have the authority to decide uh, which members um, to seat. Um, and from a legal standpoint, we're really kind of in uncharted territory here because my understanding is this is the first time uh, that this has ever happened, essentially. And so, um, you know, I think that I think that what's going to happen is the expulsion will stick. Uh, it's very unfortunate because he, uh, I guess in one sense, there was a quote unquote ethics investigation, sure. although you really have to question um, how, you know, the House of Representatives or Congress in general can seriously uh, say that they have an ethics committee whenever, uh, you know, they're willing to cover up for um, the Epstein flight logs. Um, so it's it's kind of ironic that, um, you know, you have the the Congress opining on the ethics of of anyone. But, um, you know, he hasn't had his day in court. Um, I, so I think I think the expulsion will will stick under the way the Constitution works. Uh, but I think, you know, once again, the American people are seeing how, you know, what, what a joke uh, Congress is. And I think it's probably going to, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, Santos has to go through the process he's going to go through with the criminal charges um, that are pending against him. Um, but that certainly doesn't uh, that certainly doesn't prevent him from, you know, down the road, taking another shot at something. And he may have even more support at that point um, than he has previously. And uh, hopefully some of the um, especially the Republican Congress people who voted to oust him. Uh, will suffer some some repercussions. I mean, you know, it's the, the idea that he's going to be ousted uh, for what are essentially allegations against him, uh, whereas you have, you know, folks on the other side, especially who are, um, you know, anti-Semitic and are corrupt and are doing this, that, and the other thing, it is really just beyond the pale. It, it's so wild, you know, and when you look at all the other stuff that's going on up on Capitol Hill, John, it's like you've got Senator Menendez, who's who's caught up in a bribery scheme. Obviously, it looks very bad. But again, he hasn't gone through the entirety of the legal process yet. But, you know, you have Senate majority in the Democrat side with Chuck Schumer, senior leader there. He's been in Congress for decades. Joe Biden, the president. I mean, he's been in public office since the 20s, essentially. And, and you, you know, there, there seems to be no repercussions for him. You have Jamal Bowman, who was convicted of a crime, but kind of got a slap on the wrist for, you know, uh, impeding a formal proceeding of Congress. It was a vote on the floor during during the you know speakership stuff, and, and and he prevented that from happening. No one's voted to expel him, and you know, I think everybody could just kind of make the joke of laughs and insider trading because when you start to just look at like the baseline for what like the crimes George Santos has been accused of, and then the amounts of millions of dollars these people who make hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, every time they go to Congress in salary. It just seems like it's a big hypocritical joke at this point. Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, it, it's yet another example of how we have sort of two standards for everything in this country right now, um, in the legal system, in, in the political system. Um, and I don't think the American people are going to uh, are going to stand for it much longer. I, I think the fundamental problem in the political arena is that um, Republicans don't know how to use their power. Um, you know, whether that's because they're cowards, whether it's because they're corrupt or whatever the reason might be. Um, can you, you know, just imagine, um, imagine the Democrats failing to use power that they have um, arrows in their quiver. It just would never happen. And then we take control of the House and we don't shut down the weaponized FBI and the DOJ 
there's not a real January 6th investigation. The January 6th tapes are still um, not fully released. Uh, and then you have uh, Republicans joining with Democrats to expel Republican members uh, without that person having their day in court. So, I mean, th- the reality is, unless unless Republicans learn how to fight, um, this is never going to change. And, and that's why I think Donald Trump is uh, is dominating in the Republican primary. I think it's why he's going to win the general election by a landslide, because the American people see this stuff. They're not stupid. Yeah. They see right through it. You know, they watch these two. Um, you know, these, these two guys getting a stage last night oh, with Sean Hannity, Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious that Trump is the answer. I mean, he's the only answer right now in terms of putting the country back on track. No, it's the truth. And, you know, us that provide commentary on it can only do as such. I mean, it's gotten to the point though, where they can't hide it anymore. We had uh, Congressman Bob Good on to start the show today. And we were talking about how, you know, when I was a kid, you would see congressmen, you would see senators, when there was something important to talk about, they come up to the podium, they'd tell America how it is, how it's getting voted on, boom, it's done. Or they'd be arguing with the president on this or that. Now it's like the curtain's been pulled back on Capitol Hill. You can't go like half a day without seeing like who was screaming at each other behind closed doors, who's doing stuff to another guy's office. People are fist fighting and things of that nature. It's just gotten kind of out of control. There have been a few bright spots, though. One I want to touch on, you with John, this is something that you're very passionate about working on all the time. And, and, and we've had some recent developments in the last couple of weeks, right before the Thanksgiving holiday. And that was uh, new speaker, Mike Johnson released some of the January six tapes more to be coming from what I'm hearing from all my sources up on Capitol Hill. But for someone who's worked on the front lines of defending these people and actually getting wins in court where very few others have throughout the entirety of this process, how do you see the start of this starting to come out to the public and the realization that the story that we've been told, the production that was the committee that we were shown, what Nancy Pelosi and her family, her daughter, the documentarian did on January 6th is all starting to unravel before the American public's eye. So, so it's certainly a good thing anytime the, um, you know, the, the mainstream uh, media, the people in the country are seeing in any of this January 6th footage. I will tell you that Every single thing that I have seen so far that has sort of, quote unquote, come out in the last couple of weeks, we have seen before and has actually been out um, for the last couple of years. Uh, so I, I just think, you know, people haven't been paying as as close attention to it as they otherwise could. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good thing that uh, these things are becoming more a part of the of the narrative battle um, that is going on. Um, but, you know, the reality is, is that all of the all of these tapes need to be released immediately. Um, there's no reason for it to be 90 hours here and 90 hours there. There's no reason for uh, to, to blur any faces on these things. There's no reason to uh, hold back 5% for purported architectural security reasons. So I'm, I'm you know, obviously it's a good thing that that any of this is is put out but it needs to happen much quicker and it needs to um you know it needs to be much more uh you know transparent one thing that's extremely troubling uh just to touch on is uh this notion that uh it looks like the the video depositions of a, a thousand witnesses in front of the January 6th committee have essentially been destroyed um by the January by the January 6th committee and so that that's ex- that's extremely troubling i mean i i have to believe that is criminal in some sense correct um and that that is evidence that is you know almost certainly has enormous amounts of exculpatory information in it for January 6th defendants who not only are 
coming up for trial, but have already been convicted and are already serving time and who are already um, in the appeals process. And so I, I think that the that the House should immediately launch an investigation into into that, into the January 6th uh, committee, into its members, into the chain of custody with respect to these um, these these videos. It's it's a. Uh, it's it's just it gets to a point where it's um you know it's mind blowing uh to a certain extent at first and then it keeps happening and happening and happening and there are there are essentially no repercussions for these folks and you know I mean the American people have I I believe at this point are have essentially lost all faith in all of its elected officials in all of its institutions um and that is not a good recipe for a um, a free republic to um, you know to hold together with respect to the social fabric, and so you know that, that's why everybody in this country who cares about the republic needs to be fighting every day to do whatever they can to get Donald Trump back into office. I, I see no other path for this country to hold together um, and to exist the way that uh, it has for the last couple hundred years if uh, we don't get Trump back in the White House in 2025. Well, you know, it's pretty funny that you mentioned that because history always does repeat itself. I did subject myself to the awfulness. I give it a 2.7 out of 10, the new Ridley Scott Napoleon movie. And I mean, <laughs> obviously it kicks off at the start of the French Revolution and, and around that time. And Man, there's a lot of parallels that were going on in France then where it's just like society in its entirety, good people and bad, uh, you know, local governments and the churches, law enforcement just lost complete faith in their government. And and look at what happened. Uh, They made things like, you know, burning buildings and, and guillotines great again and and we don't want to see that here in america we do have a plausible solution we have an america first advantage too like you just alluded to with president trump but i mean the drag that this administration has had on the american public i mean you know cynthia hughes from the patriot freedom project i don't know if you know her but she messaged me yesterday they, they scooped up two more people yesterday for january 6 related stuff and this is happening every day all across middle America, we have congressmen and women that come in from like Oklahoma and Tennessee and Indiana. And one of the biggest fears that they say their constituents has is they don't they don't like the FBI lurking around their town to see if anybody doesn't like the way the government's operating. That's just not the way our society is supposed to be. No, it's you know, I'm, I'm from the Rust Belt. I'm from western Pennsylvania. Um, and I spent some time back there over Thanksgiving. And um, I, 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 I have not come across a single human being um who who supports the current administration um who supports the fbi um i mean every single person i've come across in the middle of the country um is is just outraged uh by these things and and is ready for is ready for a change you know one of the most terrifying things that's happened the last couple weeks is uh jack smith uh issued a warrant yes or every single Twitter user who liked or retweeted any of uh, President Trump's, uh, you know, tweets. Essentially, this is this is. I mean, this is this is tens of millions of people that essentially are the government is looking to put on an enemies list, um, and it doesn't it it doesn't get any more terrifying than that. And so, you know, if the American people look, the American people have a choice, and they're going to have a choice here going forward. Do, do they want to live? in a dystopian uh, surveillance state with a social credit system in which the FBI can knock on their door at any moment and drag them away for indefinite detention before any kind of trial? Or do they want to live uh, pursuant to the principles that our founders fought so hard for in 1776? It, it, it could not be more clear at this point. And um, I mean, I'm, I am, 
you know, I'm the quintessential optimist and I, I, I think I know uh, which direction the American people are going to choose to go. Um, and, um, you know, Trump's got to win by, by a fraud proof margin. Um, he, he's got to, he's got to win by, you know, I think we got to aim to get him north of a hundred million votes uh, to essentially have a fraud proof margin. And I, I think he's on track for that. Uh, but it's going to be because of the regular people in America, you know, who, who rise up and, and get to the polls and prevent the cheating. Um, and I, look, I, I think one, I, I think honestly, the, the groups that are seeing this uh, very starkly who are going to make a difference in this election are African-Americans or Hispanic-Americans and our, and our young people. Um, you know, he, he, Trump is winning the 18 to 34 vote, which is, which is stunning because yeah. I think these young people realize they do not have a future unless Donald Trump wins. They are not going to own anything. Uh, they are not going to have any say in the way they're governed. And uh, again, they're heading for a dystopian nightmare and um, it's up to us to, to put a stop to it um, or else we're headed toward a very dark time. Well, you know, it's it, it's sad to say, but it, like you said, I'm I'm an optimist too when it comes to the American people. American resolve, you know, we we mention it on the show all the time. It's it's something that you're starting to see that fire get relit again. And when you talk about President Trump, you know, they hid him from the public during 2020 outside of the scope of his rallies because of you know they used the guise of the global pandemic to kind of make it seem like he was killing grandmas if he held a rally or now he's getting back to those grassroots events with local GOPs. He's going and just the way he's so well, he received Miami, New York, South Carolina. He walks out onto the field of a football game where it's a whole bunch of college age kids. He goes to these UFC events where, you know, I'm sure they probably lean right, but it doesn't mean that they love Donald Trump and just the way he's so warmly received and welcomed. It makes you think like, They've let something out of uh, the tube here, and they're not going to get that toothpaste back into it in the form of Donald Trump come Election Day next year. We really appreciate all the stuff that you do and taking some time to uh, come on the show and provide some commentary with us. we got to get you back on in, in January and get all the updates on some of the cases you're working on. We're obviously going to be live linking the National Constitution Law Union in the show description today. But for anybody that wants to follow you on social media, where can they check you out? Uh, yeah, so I'm essentially on Twitter. Uh, so at Cali Kid JMP, C A L I K I D JMP. And then I just, we really need everybody to go to nclu.org, sign up to become a monthly member, an annual member. That, that is the only way we're able to fight for these January 6th defendants, fight for people like Laura Loomer and her big tech case, yep. uh, you know, fight for Carter Page and the FISA abuse uh, litigation. We hope that there's going to be a, a trial on uh, soon in the next couple of years. So. There are so many important fights on this uh, legal front, and we can't do it um, without the help of the, you know, the regular American people. You know, this guy's sticking his neck out for a lot of these uh, America First causes and looking for a little help from you guys. This is the man who heads up the NCLU, Mr. John Pierce. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Have a great Thank weekend. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Look forward to next time. Nice little cap on the end of the week. What do you think, Noah? No cap. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and want to hear the now nearly 300 other editions of the show. Well, you better be following us across every downloadable podcasting platform, especially Apple and Spotify. Follow the show, make sure it's downloading to your device, and then track us across every social media platform, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow them, and hit the notification bell. We want to thank all of our guests for coming down and sharing with us today. Virginia Congressman Bob Good, Florida Congressman Corey Mills, investigative journalist Matt Couch, constitutional attorney John Pierce, and our great friend, Jim Nels, you guys all helped make State Great Again. Guys, we're heading into the weekend, but don't worry. We'll be back on Tuesday with an absolute heater. Former FBI agent Steve Friend, Congressman Ralph Norman, Brian Leib, and Newsweek's Josh Hammer will all be here. So on behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. 
Noah, later. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. And take care. You said you wanted to know how to get to Capone. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. Want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago.